this is when Milo goes to visit uh, Morbius at his lab and finds him mid the blood deprivation experiment. So Morbius uses his bloody finger on the wall to write the word blood, and then Milo rushes to get him some from the freezer, bringing him synthetic blood. Morbius chugs and then I... returns to normal. <laughs> I love how it took Milo the entire five letters to figure out what <laughs> the he wanted. Entire five letters <laughs> to write. Blue, blue what? <laughs> that's not how you. That's not how you spell even, blue. Even if he had written blue instead of blood, the synthetic blood is blue. It's also blue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I really it thought that like Matt Smith would have like, oh, you want guess. the blood by like B L O at right? least at most, you know. But no. Hello and welcome to a very special patron bonus episode of Movie Struck. This episode is thanks to our lovely patrons who joined us during the September Pledge Drive. If you're one of the people who joined to help get us to this stretch, stretch goal, um, how fucking dare you? <laughs> <laughs> we are here uh, to discuss Morbius, um, a movie that certainly came out this year. Uh, and I'm joined today by two former guests of the podcast and also the DM and one of the lovely players from Rolling With Difficulty, a podcast I know very little about, uh, Austin and Noir. Guys, thanks for joining me for this. <laughs> discuss uh, my seems to suggest Discuss seems to suggest a level of discourse that this movie does not deserve. <laughs> <laughs> a level of discourse that it does not deserve and may not even really contain, but we'll get yeah. to that. Um, normally, will, this we is. We will squeeze as much blood from this stone as possible. We will come up with something. I love the timing of this because when it was announced in August, the meme was already dead. So it's not even <laughs> that the horse was dead by the time that we started recording this, mm -hmm. it was dead by the time it was announced as a stretch goal. But, you know, we still got our bats. If we got our bats, we'll keep thwacking. <laughs> <laughs> the horse has become an undead creature of the night that is actually still alive. It's ambiguous. I was gonna say it's sort of a living, it's a sort living of a vampire living sort of situation. situation. <laughs> Which, it was alive, the bat. It was alive, and then it was dead, and then Sony brought it back to life. But then it turns out no one came. So my stretch goal dream for this podcast is that somehow it blows up enough that we get Morbius in theaters a third time so that it can flop again <laughs> <laughs> that's like my pipe dream I, for how this episode goes should I change should we change our focus of this pot like Mar Morbius is really good guys it was yeah we will a uh, on record gas up Morbius if it means that you Sony will put it back into theaters <laughs> we know you're listening yeah, no, just. <laughs> I gave you one of my business cards at VidCon. I know that you're listening really to me. <laughs> oh. Uh, no, that's right. no one. Uh, but no, Morbius. Normally, it's the point of the podcast where I'd ask you guys, uh, why did we watch Morbius? But I asked you to do this because you both were instigating it in the Discord. Um, yeah. So I guess we might as well just jump on in. Hubris and folly is why we're watching this. <laughs> why we're talking about it. God, here we go. So music that kicks up that's clearly trying to be very Van Helsing-esque, but it's mostly just making me sad. I was watching a different, worse vampire movie, uh, and they had the gall to do a Living slow title movie. reveal. <laughs> Living vampire movie. They had the gall to do like a slow title reveal to make it feel like the opening of like a Marvel TV miniseries, and uh, I was like, you don't get to do that in a movie. I'm sorry. This We all know why we're here. 
<laughs> Please don't draw it out any more than necessary. And yet. <laughs> and yet we're about to talk about it for start your timers, people. Start your yeah. timers. If you haven't already, get it going now. Um, we pan over a foggy forest, the treetops of Costa Rica as a helicopter airlifts in something. We do some dramatic twisting and turning through a waterfall into a cave. This movie really loves to like let you move with the camera through environments that are definitely all digitally created because there's no way to have built this. Yeah. Through the cave entrance where a few men are yelling to the landing helicopter whose pilot reminds someone just off screen that they shouldn't be out here after it gets dark. It's Dr. Morbius and he is currently ill. <laughs> Man. Uh, there's... I. I, how I'm long do you want to wait before we unpack like all the obvious points? Let's just, we just gotta get this off the table, right? I'm trying to think <laughs> of any other defining characteristics for Jared Leto Morbius, sir. But really, for the first 20 minutes, or like 10 minutes, the whole introductory period is really just hammering home that he's been sick and he continues to be sick. I, he's, yeah. he's a man with vanishingly few characteristics and like personality uh <laughs> he seems kind of nice and pretty smart and a little sarcastic and yeah. also boy is that guy sick yeah oh don't yes. you forget it <laughs> don't you oh, dare won't. uh he also has a thing about bats as he commands the men who are there at his pay i assume although he's paying them now in the moment as opposed to ahead of time or after the mission is complete uh, and they seem to be actively negotiating it. I don't know. It just seems like a bad business practice. <laughs> I took it to mean like an extra, like a little bit, a little bit more in addition to what he's already. But for given. what? He's just done exactly what he would have been asked to do: fly helicopter to location. He's asking them to hang around the bats, man. This cave of millions of vampires. <laughs> yeah. Of vampire this bats. And his bushwhacker. Most vampire bats just drink bird blood, by the way. I'm going to put that one out yeah, there. Yeah, I was actually, Austin, I was right. really excited for you to be on this particular episode because pretty early in this movie, they start dropping like, vampire bats can take down large prey. And I'm like, I don't know a lot about vampire That's, bats, but that doesn't sound right. So maybe the biology guy will know something about they, it. Uh, they don't swarm feed. Uh, like people imagine piranhas do and also piranhas don't do that either uh no <laughs> that's yeah it's but you know what uh i'm not gonna i'm not gonna ding them on this one uh let bats be awesome because the rest of this movie is not going to be so that's where <laughs> the bats point. might as well be badass <laughs> if they you know in this movie mm-hmm. badass. badass exactly uh, uh. <laughs> appreciate uh, by the way i do appreciate that they're like yeah you can keep the long hair i assume that there was no intention behind that other mm-hmm. than it's Jared Leto's thing. But I'm like, at least this character looks like something now because he's got long hair. So yeah. there, there's there's something here. Yeah, you're, you're the biology guy. You're also the comics guy. I do not remember what Morbius looks oh. like. like so, the, only, the only context that I know him in is as like the vampire, like pale blood, like the, the fucking Dracula yeah. cape or whatever. So that's how he usually looks. He's got a dope, uh, like over the, hold on, let's see if I can get a picture of it. He's, in my mm. memory, he's got like an over the top, uh, you know, costume. Like he's got like a deep V, I think. But yeah, he's usually like yes. pale and like slick black hair. Very um, Dracula. He's very, he's very yeah. Dracula, but this movie loses, I mean, it, it does it, but I feel like it skips over the interesting thing about Morbius. is not really look at it too hard, which is that he's a living vampire and thus has like 
he's not in i mean they kind of do it in that he's not inherently evil i guess uh and he doesn't mm-hmm. want to drink blood but I don't, it, it just seemed like they could have done something more with him being uh, the, the difference is that in the comics there's actual vampires and so he gets to be different from them and in this movie the concept of vampire is new to the world and so he mm-hmm. might as well be a it doesn't matter be just but like a straight up vampire you yeah. lose you know what gets to say that he's the living vampire which i think is cool but no no <laughs> No, and in, and this movie is constantly going to try and convince you that Morbius is cool against all other evidence. Uh, <laughs> starting now, evidence. where he sets up his little bat trap, and then he cuts his hand to use his own blood as bait for the swarm of vampire bats, which now rush towards him and the other guys who are all running around and screaming because they're surrounded by hundreds of thousands of bats. They all easily make it through the trap that he set up and swarm the helicopter. <laughs> so I'm not really sure what his goal was here, but we don't have time yeah. to dwell on it because we have to go 25 years earlier in Greece. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Oh man, highlight of the movie. This sequence, I couldn't believe when I was watching it. I couldn't believe it. I was watching the rest, rest of the movie and then I couldn't believe it afterwards. None of this. You're talking about the, this the, is the, also the flashback? Dumb. The flashback talking, sequence yeah. is right, so filled yeah. with stupid shit. Oh, Let's yeah. get into it. The flashback really sets up everything that will maybe be interesting about this movie and that's very few things but we go 25 years earlier to greece where a young boy is playing chess alone against himself this is of course michael morbius who will soon be dark dr morbius later shortened to just morbius uh he (laughs) is still sick at this point because he's been sick his whole life and he sees another boy with his same condition arrive they both have like crutches to get around they're not like super mobile uh is introduced to lucian who he immediately is like, actually, your name is Milo now because I run things around here. And every everyone who's lived in that bed has been Milo. There's been like a bunch of Milos and there's something missing in our DNA. And the only way for us to stay alive is get these treatments three times a day. So life sucks for us. And also, did I tell you that your name is no longer Lucian? You're Milo now? When we go to the future and then everyone continues every single yes. to call him Milo. I, I literally I watched this movie with um uh with my girlfriend Victoria and my brother Patrick and I literally they mentioned it again. I was like I think we just misunderstood. I think his name is Milo and yeah. like we misunderstood the point of that sequence that there was something different. No, no, his name no. is not Milo. He just yeah. goes by a mean nickname given to him. I, it, it, <laughs> I had that life. same. I had that same sequence of thoughts. Um, yes. But like yes. in the future, at least there was a period of time when it was just uh, Morbius calling him Milo. I was like, oh, that's all right. That's cute. He kept up the the childhood nickname from you know twenty five years ago. It's and then Nicholas him. Jared Harris. <laughs> Also calls also him Milo. Also calls him Milo. <laughs> They're like, yeah, I'm gonna call him this other kid who I knew who yeah. got sick, who was sick and died. Yeah. They're all yeah. interchangeable to me. Oy, oy, oy. I, this is. I, I do think this is a good time to mention. Whenever we've done these movie struck, I uh, I've done two before. I know I always watch the movie twice, and I take notes uh, about thoughts. Um, more than and I, I bring do. the notes. I bring the notes to the uh, to the recording. Uh, today I watched. This time I watched it once, and today I brought a, a big cup of uh, whiskey. So ah. <laughs> that feels appropriate. <laughs> I usually watch with on this one. I usually watch the movie the day of, so it's just fresh Same. in my mind. <laughs> uh, so while they're having this little meet cute, uh, some boys outside make fun of them, and there's just rowdy schoolboys who have a fun habit of walking past the hospital where all these sick children hang out and ruthlessly mocking them from the street below. Uh, and so Morbius is like, "Oh, we're the 
make a little reference to us being the Spartans, where the few against the many. Remember that line? It's going to come up constantly. <laughs> Remember it. You cannot forget it. This movie <laughs> bludgeons you with they that line. They apply it to every situation in which Milo and Morbius interact in the future. And, yeah. um, and now. And... <laughs> It never is really that appropriate to the situation they're in. It doesn't really say anything. It's just repeated as like a touch point to let you know that we are still progressing through the movie. As he sort of cracks this joke, Lucian uh, Milo starts uh, coding. He's he's machine is malfunctioning that it's giving him a transfusion or something. And there's no nurse around, so uh, Morbius rigs the machine himself using a spring inside of a pen, which rouses Milo, saving him immediately from his medical distress. Uh, which of course had this feat of brilliant engineering prompts the uh, like head doctor headmaster the doctor Emil Nicholas the Jared Harris of it all uh, to yeah. tell Michael about wow you're so good with machines and science and things how about you go to this special school for gifted children in New York and we were all thinking X Men right like at this point <laughs> yeah. we were all like, yeah. oh. of course <laughs> naturally <laughs> Xavier's Institute they're gonna they're gonna shoehorn an X-Men cameo in this movie you and we know, just all missed it because no one wanted to see Morbius his mutation yeah. <laughs> his mutation uh, doing cliche movie things to show that he's smart like playing <laughs> chess and fixing a machine quickly there's a couple so yeah so there's a couple things about that first of all uh, we're also introduced to Morbius's affinity for origami which I thought was a nice yes. little like thing that he'd like, sure. like a, a nice little personality quirk um but also the conclusion that Nicholas makes of ah you were able to jury rig something on the fly therefore you must be you know we must send you to this gifted school I'm glad it worked out for, it worked out in the end it was the right conclusion to make but I can mm -hmm. only just imagine like Danny being invited to a really smart academy all because she was just able to jury rig something on the fly it has that the dream like, yeah, yeah <laughs> I, I don't know it was the right yeah, conclusion in the end but the weird. You don't want about a roundabout way of showing it. It is, yeah. It does sort of feel like, well, we just need to get Morbius off of this hospital island and explain why he has yes. access to this crazy laboratory later on. So we're just going to show him mm -hmm. being a smart kid. Even though everyone else who we see in this scene who is a relevant character later on seems to be doing just fine without going to the fancy institute yeah. that may or may not have been examined. <laughs> People are killing it for being... Yeah. Uh, for, for for everything that's going on they're just like yeah now I'm rich now I'm you know whatever yeah. I'm winning Nobel prizes I'm sorry did they say noble in the movie yeah yes. noble okay yeah noble. I'm sorry noble prizes <laughs> um, before we can get no to any Nobel prizes uh, Morbius leaves the hospital and leaves Milo with a note about how he's off to find a cure for the both of them and he'll see him later this summer but the letter gets blown out of the window by an errant breeze and is picked up in the street by those same rowdy schoolboys, prompting Milo to hobble on down there and fight back against them, hitting one with over the head with his cane and then promptly getting beat up. The uh, Dr. Um, Nicholas intercepts. He's like, hey, stop that. Uh, and Milo continues to wail on the boy he knocked down with a crutch, showing that maybe Milo is not such a... Uh, moral child after all being ruthlessly bullied and um holding on to the smallest scrap of attention from the one person he's friends with <laughs> i do, this is the smallest thing this means nothing but the whole time i was like why are we in greece why are we in greece <laughs> i guess it's why are we in greece it why makes as much sense as 
anywhere else, it might as well be in Greece. Because Milo's but... like British, <laughs> really... right? He's got an yeah. accent when he's grown up and is the kid version. Like Milo is clearly European. Morbius seems to not be. So what's yeah. going on? Why are both of them in Greece? Dr. Nicholas seems to just be a guy <laughs> with no the discernible only... accent. The, the, the only thing that I can think of is that like it is a, it is, it is a hospital that is like like a hospital arrest home, yada yada, that is like specifically curated for people with that disease, the same disease that Michael and Milo have, which I guess makes sense, but I don't know if I, there's anything in that movie that contradicts what I'm saying. I think it's supposed yeah. to be, no, I think you're right, mm -hmm. but even so, the people writing, I mean, if indeed anyone wrote this movie, I'm not certain that there was a writer or a director on this movie. Uh -huh. uh, uh, it's, I, the Grease thing is, it's such a, it's a nothing nitpick. And yet the whole time I was like, what? Just it's put just it in like, New City with everything, with the rest of the story. This movie is determined to make bold stylistic choices while not actually fundamentally making any bold stylistic choices. So like, we'll put this in Greece because it looks more interesting than if we just had it in New York. And like, I guess, but it's not really serving anything. And it's not, it doesn't match the look of the rest of the movie in any kind of discernible way. So it's just sort of like a weird, everything is really bright for a while because we're in Greece section before yeah. we get into the Morbius of it all. I don't know. I, Austin, I'm, I'm with you on the why were they in Greece train. <laughs> it's a weird tonal setup. Because mm -hmm. if it's supposed to be that they were the good old days, like if that's if that was the intention, like oh they were in this nice warm spot and then they had to go away and now mm -hmm. they come back together as adults in the in New York City and it's all bleak and gray, which is how they they the aesthetic right yeah. of the rest mm -hmm. of the film, right? Um, uh, why did they? It's it's not though. They don't have a happy child. It's not nice there. And then when they get to New York, for all other than being sick, they both seem to be pretty like happy in general like yes. it's, so it's weird to go from like sad in warm nice place that's supposed to represent i guess a better time for them when mm -hmm. they were together but they're still together in that it just doesn't nothing yeah cinematography yeah. and writing aren't tracking here mm -mm. we have to return to the future we have to leave greece never to see it or hear of it again i believe it's um, back to the future different movie uh, Michael Morbius that. is now at a conference receiving a pat on the back for creating synthetic blood, which is blue and also is like a medical marvel better than penicillin. Um, because people must gas up how brilliant Michael Morbius is. Um, mm -hmm. He's asked to step forward to receive his prize from the King of Sweden, which feels like a cruel joke by the King of Sweden. <laughs> this man is really that famous. And that influential of a scientist. Maybe you could have seated him closer to the center of the stage, Sweden. I don't yeah, know. Accommodate his disability, why don't you? Yeah, you know? <laughs> also, they announce it like it's an Oscar. <laughs> right? As opposed to a Nobel, sorry, movie, <laughs> prize, which they're like, oh, these are the people who won. Come get them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, even if he was good, if, even if he is the drama queen that he, that he is in the scene, which sure attracts that he would go to turn it down they still don't like he would arrive knowing he's gonna get it and then turn it down anyway what they play it as is he didn't know he was gonna get it and then he was like double birds to the whole audience just <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, we're skipping ahead a little bit but yeah it, just it, don't it's... come if you're not gonna accept it yeah so yeah. the thing is the thing that got me was that it it's not a thing that was it, it's told off screen yes like you, yes it, what? 
it, it like I don't understand that at all because like mm-hmm. if you're there and you have the thing set up, I feel like it would at least be more. It would make more sense, I guess, to just show him denying it. Yeah, because yeah, we cut immediately from yeah. this to. Morbius in NYC talking to a child who berates him for dissing the king of Sweden and like not accepting the Nobel. And like That's how we find out. That's, that's how, how we, we find figure out. out. I don't know. I mean, look, it's a choice to have that scene be unimportant and then have cut to him interacting with the child, right? Not only, you know, it's he didn't even care about that stuff. The child cares, but he cares about the child. But at mm-hmm. the same time, it feels like it would have been a big moment. I if if I may go on a tangent. Of course. I once saw what is this a, podcast uh, for? <laughs> I once saw a regional theater production of Hunchback of Notre Dame. And, uh, <laughs> All right. No, let's get into uh, it. Theater, I, we can I talk des- about this. What I, what I decided, uh, I, the, the performers were fine. The, the, it's, a, it's not a good show, uh, even though I love the, the, the anime movie. But uh, in, in near the end, in the climax, uh, in the movie, Phoebus does this little speech where he rouses the people of, the, of Paris and he's like, Frollo has done this thing. Will we allow it? And they're all like, no. And it's short and it's sweet, but you get it. He's this charismatic dude. In the show, in the in the in the, the production I saw, someone says, and then Phoebus gave a rousing speech to the crowd. And I was like, why would you put on a show? What is a what is a a perform a theater performance, if not just a yeah. bunch of speeches? Why would you cut that of all things? It feels like that's like how this... I feel about this scene. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this... why would that be the thing you cut? Usually the rule of screenwriting is show don't tell, right? I think this is one of the rare examples where maybe they should have tell not shown. Like it would be so easy because they do this at other points in the movie to just have like a newscast in the background talking about the snub of the Nobel while Morbius, Dr. Morbius is talking to the kid who then immediately jumps into her berating thing that would have taken two seconds or don't have him be at the award ceremony, show him start to stand up and then cut away from the scene to just tell us what happened it just it's just wasting screen time and this is not an especially long movie but it felt long (laughs) because of choices (laughs) like this (sighs) he also in response to this child anna uh who's asking him like dude what's wrong with you he's like i have issues which is supposed to be a joke clearly doesn't begin to cover it and read a lot like um i wear this hat of course i'm not normal from riverdale (laughs) (laughs) that's right yeah (laughs) that was the level that this dialogue was operating on for me yeah up until up until we found out that morbius actually had other friends i was like is this is this is this his only friend is this why he's like you know shooting the shit with her in this manner like Mm -hmm. yeah i mean it's if you're gonna make this guy a likable hero i totally get the angle of like he has better things to do theoretically better things to do but he spends time with the sick kids but it also kind of doesn't jive with the Morbius who was a huge ass to the one sick kid we've seen him talk to in the yeah. prologue. Is yeah. it meant to show he changed? I guess, but not but really. Like, <laughs> it's never commented on. This yeah. movie is just hitting beats for the sake of hitting them without too much thought to the particular like character they're trying to build or story they're trying to tell they're just like in a movie about a guy who is very smart and maybe takes science too far and then has a change of heart he's got to have a moment early on that shows he's a good guy so we'll have him interact with the kid uh and we got to show that he's like super smart but that he's above it all so we'll have him not show up for the nobel and it's like movie you're not telling me anything about morbius you're telling me that at least one of you has read 
like a save the cat type book at some point in your career say. and it's just knock checking boxes <laughs> have you ever seen a movie you could have written this movie. you could have written morbius uh but to interrupt us uh, as morbius is about to be interrupted dr bancroft the woman of this movie enters and i say the woman because she's the only relevant she's one the only one <laughs> yes. uh, a nurse dies at one point she's not named until Anna, after she's dead yeah yes exactly <laughs> Um, Dr. Bancroft interrupts to talk to Dr. Morbius. Uh, she t- berates him a little bit more for rejecting the Nobel Peace Prize or Nobel Prize and uh, making the front front page of the paper. She's like, "You're pushing yourself too hard." As they uh, enter his extremely large, well furnished laboratory. It's his lair. It, it's his lair. It, it's okay, lair. so there's a bathtub in the middle of it. Yeah, there's a couple things. So the establishing shot that we see after Sweden in New York is like, I think of like a building, it's like a skyscraper uh-huh. type building. Is it Horizon? It's Horizon It's Labs, Horizon, right? yeah. yeah. No no windows in his lair, I don't think. No. I, I, it, it gave the sense that it was all underground it's at which point. In the basement. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> I, I can't, I cannot reasonably think that this lair was in that building unless you intentionally blocked off all the windows because, oh, Morbius, actually. Maybe they're behind the big-ass bookcases, which right. I want to yeah. comment on real quick. Why would a man with who walks with crutches uh, have <laughs> two-story-high bookcases that you need a ladder to access? I didn't even think of that. <laughs> I think this movie is a great case for why it's important to, like... <laughs> Look at some ADA standards when you're doing your set design for a movie that may feature heavily yeah. a disabled character. <laughs> well, here's here's the thing, though. One thing that I did see was that, and I think so, when Morbius came out, I saw like a vague Twitter thread about it. Someone was talking about how like they were wearing the types of shoes that someone with that kind of, like a walking disability would wear. They're like well, very they're detail. very bulky, but they're it looks like they're they're cushioned well, and it, it makes it look like they're they're comfortable, which is. And, it, and that is starkly different from the, the usual outfit that you see Morbius and Milo wear. Like they're, mm-hmm. Otherwise, they're very much dressed up um, and rather uh, not dapper, but like, you know, a bit more business formal, except for the shoes, which I think was at, at the very least a good touch as far as disability, like accommodations for a disability go. And then, mm-hmm. you know, bookshelves. Then book there's the <laughs> yeah. two-story bookshelves. Yeah. It's just undertaken thoughtlessly, like mo- many things in this movie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Who feeds these bats? Who feeds these bats? Well, <laughs> let's get back to these bats for a second, because the lady doc is here, and she's like, you're pushing yourself too hard, Morbius, and he sets about just be resuming the experiment he's just sort of constantly doing in the background, and he explains that, you know, I'm trying to mix human and bat DNA, uh, and she's not happy about that, but doesn't seem to want to stop him necessarily, just sort of, like, yell at him a bunch for it, so... She goes to like prove her point about everything being dangerous by uh, turning on the light in the tube full of bats, which <laughs> prompts all of the bats to swarm around the tube and then Morbius mm-hmm. to describe it as a fish tank, but for flying mammals. And at this point, I would have watched a whole movie just explaining the like logistics of how they got the bat tube in. The- how did he, out of research lab, how was he like, hey, in my lair, I need you guys to install a big tube it's got to have very specific size and climate no, no, no. control a cage requirements. Will not do. A cage is no good. Got to be glass. I got to have a passcode that. It's got to have a human-sized door. door built into it so that I can enter yeah. and exit the tube. Make it real easy for the bats to fly out. 
Mm-hmm. Also, I love how because uh, that whole exchange is, is is done in such a way that Martine, Doctor Bancroft, is like, "Oh, I found out your secret." While like like she she like yeah. surprises him by knowing his passcode and then revealing the bats. But like, what 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 was Morbius thinking? Having this huge glass <laughs> tube being in there, thinking, ah, no one's going to ask any questions about tube that. Full of bats Surely. in a lab that is clearly only doing research. If you look in any drawer, there's like a dead bat in there. It's a lab that is clearly doing something with these bats. It's Morbius's lab. It does not. I'm kind of glad that they just sort of are like, hey, we're going to skip the whole having to uncover Morbius's dark research part of this movie and just jump right into she's up to date and now we're just going to get the rundown for the yeah. audience part of it, even if it did yeah. feel um, incredibly uh, exposition <laughs> Yeah, well, it's all this whole setup, and this is jumping ahead a little bit, but this whole setup feels very stale in that now... Uh, a cheesier or maybe like more rote movie probably would have had him be like a struggling, like a mad scientist, right? Like he's yeah. not being called up for the Nobel. People are like, you're crazy. You're going to lose funding. And that's what drives him to, uh, you know, experiment on himself. Like that's classic mad scientist bullshit. But you get it. Like they're de- like we've seen that in comics a thousand times. But mm-hmm. you, you get like they're a desperate person must. In this, it kind of just seems like he's like, yeah, I put in the work. It's ready. It's ready for uh, it's ready for human yeah. trials. They're yeah. like, look, We're the only part it. of this movie. It's gotta be in you know, uncharted water. It's fucking mm-hmm. not uncharted water. Uh, international no, like, waters. International waters. There we go. It's yeah. gotta be in international waters, but you know, no big. It's where I did all the research. We're fine. There's no like weird hubris. Like I just watched the fly recently. I'm like, there's like oh, no yeah. hubris like drives him to make a mistake. He's just kinda like, Yeah, I did it. Yeah, I did it. We're ready to go. Um He's like, my theory is I can splice vampire genes into my DNA. Not adding the bat. I noted this when I wrote the line down. He did not add the word bat into that sentence. And that feels <laughs> like that's the word that you should use of the two descriptors of a vampire bat. Not vampire, but the bat part. But <laughs> I do. I also have to wonder because they're OK. So they're very vague about the condition, right? Which is yes. probably a good thing. Yeah. Uh, but they, he mentions they need an oil change quote three times a day. So I'm guessing that's a blood transfusion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there, something is wrong with their blood. It doesn't, I don't know, carry oxygen right he or needs, they need, So the they part need of the bat they're constantly. taking is the anticoagulant. So I assume it's yeah, some sort so of like his blood, blood clots. clots. So he just needs blood thinner constantly. Also, the anticoagulants in their saliva. Um, <laughs> that's how they prevent <laughs> the, the, they make a small incision. <laughs> on the back mm-hmm. of a, usually a cow, and then, then they lick the blood, the anticoagulant just goes mosquito in their saliva, prevents yeah. it from clotting, so they can lick, lick, lick. So is he splicing the anticoagulant from their saliva Saliva. into how his blood is produced, I guess? He, the way he describes it, because they at at once give me too much information and too little, because they talk for a good 15 to 20 minutes about this experiment and what they're going to do. They're going to splice bat DNA into Mm -hmm. human. But the little test he does now is he's like I'm going to take the anticoagulant out of the bat and put it into in this case a mouse we're going to test and it will effectively cure me if it works in the smaller trials because if the anticoagulant's in me then I'm good and that's kind of where okay. they leave it at <laughs> okay taking the anticoagulant i.e. saliva and, and, and you applying it to a mouse is one thing mm-hmm. claiming that if you put bat <laughs> DNA that can 
that has saliva anticoagulant into human DNA. I, I'm no geneticist, but wouldn't the outcome just be that your saliva is an anticoagulant? I mean, that's, yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, that's what I'm getting at. I'm like, what is the point? Bats don't have, like, thinner blood. <laughs> Nor are they, I know this is a silly thing to be harping on, but this movie is dumb all no. the way down, so we're just going to harp on everything. This movie, like, they do so much exposition in the first 30 minutes, and then there's just so much nothing afterwards that I feel like we have to harp on it now, because afterwards it's just, and then Morbius morbed around for a bit. Um, there's so many. He just goes to prison for a bit. <laughs> There's a, a very small bit where he's just in prison. Does anything happen there? No, he talks to his friend and then escapes. I mean, um, it's yeah, it's revealed that. Anyway, we're, we're, we're skipping ahead. Just happen we're anyway. skipping ahead. We're skipping ahead. God forbid on this podcast we get ahead of ourselves talking about tightly written cinematic experience, story that oh. no stories, Morbius. Uh, also, this is a, like, they try to like dance around the theme of like, adding in this bat DNA to human is going to be like an evolution and is it really in like the next step in human evolution I'm like mutants you're talking about the X-Men like this is we're talking about the X-Men again <laughs> what are you doing this is really <laughs> just let me watch would, the X-Men uh, again would oh, as subtle as a hammer drop the little yes. little line which they've See, I thought that the MCU now. could be as subtle as a hammer but what Sony does in order to <laughs> establish the connectivity <laughs> between it and Marvel is a it's so oh boy. it's so funny it's so heavy handed yeah. I just so I, heavy handed and they cut some of the other stuff too yeah that was right, a anyway. this is anyway this is this is, so they, this is beyond the point <laughs> They argue about the morality of the experiment and evolution, yada, yada, yada. He injects a lab mouse with a vampire bat coagulant to see what will happen and starts a timer. The mouse twitches and dies, so he's like, another failure. His lady friend, who I'm just going to call his lady friend because literally she has no other role in this movie other than Morbius's lady friend, uh, says that she doesn't want to see him get hurt, and he just talks about how he should have died years ago, so why be alive if not to save his best friend Milo, who again is not actually named Milo. <laughs> Yeah. Does 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 Bancroft actually know Milo's real name? No. <laughs> I no love how he signs his fucking checks, Milo. Honestly. Yeah. I mean, he calls like, himself Milo. Yeah. Everyone else in the movie calls him Milo, yeah. except for Morbius, and I think Doctor Nicholas might at one point refer to him as Lucian, but it's very quick. I do not quick. think so. No, I think the I very think... end. I think the, <laughs> the only time Lucian the is ever movie. mentioned. It's at Until the very end. end. Yeah. Right. He was like, you gave me no, my name. No, I you're like, right. Wait. I noted it specifically. Yeah. They just called him yeah. Lucian again yeah. for the second time. <laughs> Two times. Twice Two in the times. entire movie. When you meet him. Every and other later time on. it's Milo for whatever reason. Gun to my head, I couldn't have even told you it was a real name. <laughs> <laughs> it's Blink if you'll miss it too. It's not like they sit on it for a while either. They just immediately no. jump into the you're Milo now thing. Um and but just as they're I, having before this, before I watched this movie, I thought his name was Milo. was Milo. Like that's what he was advertised as, and I'm like, you would All right. never know it like, otherwise. The only thing that I've known about this is that Morbius morbs around, and that Matt Smith actually just absolutely gives his all in this movie, which he really does not need to. But apparently, no. I've heard what I heard was that he was actually giving a decent performance as Milo, and I'm like, all right, his name is Milo. Let's my yeah. oh Milo and Morbius. <laughs> I did have a moment very early on watching this movie when they first did the "Now Your Name Is Milo" bit. I'm like, oh. Okay, rules of screenwriting. That's the Chekhov's name drop of the movie, right? Later on, in like the third <laughs> act, they're gonna finally be putting the clues to the, like the villainy st 
villainous scheme together and it's gonna be like, Lucian, Lucian, wait, we know a Lucian and then they're gonna bring it back around and they did not do that. <laughs> like, yeah. the, uh, like the hue twisted knives out. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But they have their conversation about the mouse experiment failing and another hospital worker, a, a nurse, butts in to call Morbius. It's Anna, she's hurt. Uh, <laughs> Literally, the the abruptness of these the exiting of this laboratory cannot be understated because truly this nurse like busted is like Doctor Morbius, it's Anna, and then we're just in the next we've cut out yeah. of here, we're gone. Yeah, this is just like the least secret secret lab of all time in in this like research facility that just I mean, has a room with a bat tube in it. Uh, yeah, it's not supposed to be secret. <laughs> it's just that for whatever reason, <laughs> no Morbius, one seems to. He just he, I, I don't know. He saying. just doesn't need lights, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, Morbius rushes to Anna, who is in medical distress, and they induce a coma so she doesn't have a stroke, and she settles into sleep. I thought maybe, like, saving Anna would be sort of, like, a big redeeming moment for Morbius later on, but this is kind of the last that we'll really see of Anna throughout the yeah. movie. Um, yes! <laughs> you just sort of go out insane. You insane! Yeah, you choose to be like, here's this humanizing moment, it's this kid. Uh, and then they're like, eh, he doesn't like the kid that much. Yeah, put Let's her in a coma, we'll never see her again. They return to the lab in multiple, like, that's not the only time <laughs> we're in the lab either. It's, <laughs> yeah, what is there, she, presumably? What if she was killed by Matt's, by Milo? Instead of the random yeah. nurse who was unnamed until after she was killed. Instead of the explanation being like, oh, you know, you just can't control yourself. It's like a small evil where he's like, oh, she was dying. You know, you know she was dying uh, and you won't share this cure. So like, I need mm -hmm. blood. I put her out of her. And that would have been evil and we would have been mad at him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But no, this serves only to make us exit the lab so that, now. Um, <laughs> so that Dr. Bancroft can turn around and notice that the mouse is actually in fact alive, meaning that Morbius's uh, <sighs> uh, experiment worked. Also that Anna's room is just directly across from Morbius's bat lab. <laughs> with the yeah, door open at all times. Or that, oh, and here was my question too, because the placemaking in this doesn't like nothing tracks. I don't know where no. anything is because they go, you're right, they go back to the hospital. But I was like, is this just a regular hospital she was moved to? Or is this in the same building as his lab? Like, I don't. That, I I th that's what I thought, which raised the question, what is Morbius doing with one solitary Morbius sick girl? with one solitary sick child and a la lab with a bat tube in it directly across it from each other been, at the end of a hallway? It had to have been on the same floor. It can't be in a different building because no. otherwise, like... They could see into the lab but it might from as well the child's be. There's room. There's no geography. No, well, yeah. that gets back to that hard cut out earlier when the nurse busts in and then they're just suddenly in a different yeah. location. That is mm -hmm. a technique very common in like noir filmmaking to move you from location to location. But the thing is when you're doing that there, it's not that you're going from room to room, it's that you're going from key point to key point and the travel is not important. We have no establishment of the geography of this building. It will be relevant later and they will never establish it. It just is taken that you can understand from their hard cuts that these rooms are all in the same building and are in fact within visual distance of each other. And I'm like, just show them walking out the doorway and into the other room. It would take two seconds. They're clearly very close together. Yeah, you know yeah. how Sorkin is all about the walk and talk because it works? <laughs> but what if we had a walk and talk? It kind of makes me think that the rooms were different sets and that they couldn't show you exiting one and entering another without having to rebuild the set in some way. I mean, that. That makes I sense guess. to me, but there's ways yeah. to visual trick that where yeah. like 
Yeah. Where the audio, where you follow them out the hallway, and then as they turn, you cut into the lab, and the audio is the audio and the image are cut on different ways, so that you still hear the audio coming through. So you can tell it's、mm-hmm. the same sentence as we cut from it. Like that's. I I, I assume that that <laughs> I don't that, make movies. I, I assume that kind of forethought requires. I, I assume that it requires some forethought. In which, if they had the forethought to do that, why didn't they have the forethought to just make it one connected set? <laughs> Guys, we're like forty-five、yeah. minutes. We're forty-five minutes, and he's like... not even a living vampire yet. <laughs> <laughs> Before we started recording, Austin and I were chatting about like, oh, like, we're kind of worried. Tight hour. Morbius is like, it's it's a bad movie, but it's not really fun. Maybe we won't have a lot to talk about. Maybe this will just kind of be a bland episode. And I'm thinking maybe we're recovering from that a little bit. But I'm interested to see how far we can get before it really picks up. <laughs> Uh, so Morbius,、oh、having put this child into a coma, never to be seen on screen again, goes to a very fancy apartment、uh, and calls, gets called into the back room by his friend Milo, who is now all grown up and is receiving his transfusion Rich, or、apparently. blood stuff. He's very wealthy, doing great for himself. <laughs> Doctor Nicholas is also there, tending only to Milo, and、uh, he's also got a bunch of like Russian guys hanging around because apparently he did too good at cards against a Russian gentleman, and now they're all here to intimidate him. And I'm not. I, I spent a good ten minutes with the movie just, pause. Like, what are they、now? trying to say about Milo? Are you trying to be like、yeah. he's like a a hedonistic playboy type? He's just like living life to live life. Are you saying that he's already established for like villainy? Is he in the Russian mob? What is the point? It's like they're trying to have like. A finger in like both puddings, so to speak. Like, oh, we don't want to necessarily have him be straight out evil right from the get go, but we got to put the pieces there. Let's start with the mob, which he apparently won at cards. Yeah, now yeah. they're just、but、hanging also, around, like bouncing his apartment. If he's hedonistic, if he's hedonistic, as soon as he gets his powers, he's just still hedonistic. That's kind of like what they're like. He's evil. He's gonna go out to bars and be like really aggressive. Uh, aggressively for you know flirtatious quote,、mm-hmm. um, and then like beat up and kill a bunch of dudes.、Uh, like he's already doing that. He's <laughs> like already, that's already we it, saw when he was a child. Like, his life is already already was down to beat a dude up. He just was less able to than when he becomes a living vampire. Yeah, so it's it's weird because Morbius is like I'm being corrupted. I have to fight it, and I'm like I don't know that other dude was corrupted. Does this make I don't understand?、Uh, yeah, the, he I mean, was already he already was like this. <laughs> The, the way that I saw it was, it was, I don't know if Morbius thought. I don't know if the intention was for Morbius to convey this, like, to the audience or whatever. But like,、mm-hmm. I guess the idea that like Morbius knowing Milo's more violent tendencies means that he would not have the same, you know, moral objective to try and maintain this vampire demon within him.、Um, But it doesn't really come across as that because really Morbius is just saying it's a curse. You you shouldn't have to have this.、Yeah. And then they really the, want the, the like whole... tortured vampire angle that you get from like it's it's the Edward Cullen in Twilight of it all, right? Like they're like,、mm-hmm. well, being a vampire sucks. We have to justify it, and it's like, well, it seems that being Morbius sucks, and everyone else is just sort of doing their best with the cards that they've been handed, whether they were an asshole before or not. Because if if that was the angle to like Milo. You, you should not have this kind of power type、mm-hmm. deal because Morbius knows Milo, like,、yeah. and so I I have to assume that he is aware of, you know, his personality or whatever. But like, if he knew that, then him saying it's a curse, you shouldn't have to deal with it, 
he should know that that argument would not, not it would not reach him I at all. I guess that's the and hubris it, it, of Morbius, but even so, they quip back and forth a few times until Nicholas leaves and then take a walk uh, outside. Milo asks after the lady doctor and just sort of like chides Morbius for th- not talking about her romantically and they just sort of go back and forth about romance and work for a while and this is all the work the movie is going to do to convince us that uh, Dr. Morbius and yeah. Dr. Bancroft Mark. are in some sort of romantic situation because the chemistry between them is in the negative numbers. <laughs> and I had no problem with that because it was supposed to be a workplace relation like a work, you know, they're yeah, supposed to be co-workers. co-workers. Like, yeah, sure. That makes sense. <laughs> They and shouldn't they be co-workers. romantically involved. Um, and then, you know, that changed. Hey, hey. They go to a like. park. Morbius is like, Milo, I'm close to a cure. And Milo doesn't believe him at first. But so Morbius sort of like justifies it by talking about how illegal, immoral, expensive, and dangerous this whole process is going to be. And appeals to Milo by reminding him that they don't have much time left. Uh, the time that they have left is left open-ended and ambiguous. We don't know if they're going to die in a month. Yeah. We don't know if they're there's, going to live indefinitely. No t- again. <laughs> There's no ticking clock on why he makes this mistake. Uh, like, there's not like, they're just kind of like, we will die. But they both, I mean, obviously, you know, they're both still, they seem as sick as they were as children. Right? But yeah, I, like, there's no progression. <laughs> so like, I don't just see any seems, degradation of, of it, Yeah, you know. it seems more like a, just a lifelong disability. Now, whatever, you know, it could have, you know, uh, they could have reduced lifespans. But it's... It, Nothing is shown about that where they're like, oh, yeah, Milo's getting sicker. So Morbius, like, you know, yeah. throws caution to the wind. This, you know, brilliant dude who has a lot of cred and cares, you know, cares enough about the children that he, like, visits the, the ones who have uh, his same affliction. Uh, that they're like, they're like, hey, he's just going to try it on himself. <laughs> Worked on a mouse. Might as well. And we got to do it now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. We got to get uh, into it all. Um, they decide to go out with a fight together. They tell that Spartan line again. And now we go to International Waters. <laughs> My favorite Chiron yeah, yeah. of the movie. <laughs> it's just like, and now we are at sea. Inside the big shipping boat that seems to only be crewed by six people or so is uh, Dr. Bancroft and Dr. Morbius. They are uh, doing science, not a euphemism, and we get some classic, classic movie science screen readings as we watch it render the chimera cells stable by taking the DNA little readout and moving it up one and then moving it over and then dropping it back down and then the screen says processing and then it says cells stable in really big readout letters. And there is something about this that I did have to give the movie. I'm like, you know what? That's the kind of campy absolutely unscientific beautiful beautiful screen rendering that I you can only get from, from a movie I, that does not understand anything about the science in which it is attempting to at work <laughs> I'm not I'm no I'm not in computer science I'm no computer engineer I'm not even mm-hmm. a designer but I always think about the UI design always. when like in movie computers I, I my mind is cast to, to Age of Ultron when yeah. Stark and Banner are like trying to <laughs> trying to do Ultron. There's this one scene where they're like testing some sort, some permutation or whatever, and it fails, and the way that it shows that failure is by having the entire screen descend, like so crumble and fall apart. And I'm yeah. like, Tony had to have coded that to do that, Someone or at least asked Jarvis to do that. Dr. Morbius's <laughs> chimera cell screen yeah. to say chimera scale yeah. cells. You, complete. you coded that. You did that. Like, no, if this was actually like 
if this was actual science, at least if, if uh, I can only speak to Tony because I'm I'm doing mechanical engineer. If that was actually accurate, it, it, every scene would have been like the cave scene where it's just mm -hmm. run off a shitty like laptop, uh, like Windows terminal thing, yeah. like F11, yada yada. That that would be everything because. <laughs> When you're doing shit like that, the last thing that you're thinking of is making it user-friendly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's um, all I can think about when I see Morbius and the doc, they flirt a little bit in this scene incredibly awkwardly, further reinforcing my belief that I'm like, I know against all odds, somehow you two are going to kiss before the end of this movie, but I could not give two shits about it. Um, they also yeah. take a moment to, like, Morbius is a lot of, like, what would in any other movie be one-liners, but just are so remarkably unfunny in this movie. Um, because one, Jared Leto does not have the continence to carry a comedic performance, and two, the lines themselves are not actually all that funny. They take a dig at Cosmo, they're like, does that magazine even exist anymore? And as far as I'm aware, it does still exist. <laughs> and I believe if you were to look at your local Barnes & Noble, you could confirm that for yourself, screenwriters of Morbius. It's not a funny joke. I don't even. It's just I don't a even dig at a magazine that, that is just that fine. Is that forgettable? <laughs> Have you heard of this thing? That's a joke. Referencing yeah. a thing the ha audience ha. knows. Ha ha ha. Ha Classic ha ha. Comedy. He gives her a paper bat origami that he's folded as he goes to go through with the human trials and this procedure. Lays back and gets buckled into the table as he gets a shot of goop. I assume it's the anticoagulant of the bats. He starts like season up a little bit, and all the lights on the ship like flicker for a moment, which interrupts the crew's card game. So one of them heads off to check on the good doc. The crewman with his gun enters the lab, insults uh, Doctor Bancroft, and then uh, as she asks him to leave, he of course refuses, and they kind of go back and forth before eventually an alarm blares, and when they look over to the chair, <gasps> there's no Morbius. Morbius is not in the chair. Where's Morbius? He's on the ceiling. His face is going crazy. Yay! <laughs> He's gone full Morbin time. The crew all starts to like. He says it's Morbin time. He says it's Morbin time. This is the first of many if, times if you, in the movie in which they say it's Morbin time. If you don't believe us, go watch it yourself. Go watch if it. you don't believe us, if you, you don't can watch it, Morbius. Watch it again just to be <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we'll get this movie back in theaters by Oka by Grunt. <laughs> <laughs> it's the it's nothing there's i love i love i love movies i love the business of making movies i love like the culture behind movie making and there's nothing in that whole sphere i love more than a good goddamn goof at the expense of someone who should have known better um see sweet people this is for you it's like when La La Land gets read out for Best Picture, even though it didn't win, or, you know, that's the level in which Morbius getting re-released a second time yeah. and doing worse was on for me. And mm -hmm. I, I, this is the best time I've had with news, like, in a while. Yeah. So Hear if we could out. get it in theaters again a third time to do even worse, I think that that would really be full circle for me as, like, the a thing career is, though, move. The thing that made it so <laughs> the thing that made it so funny is that you can you can basically see Sony's line of thought. It mm -hmm. was they're talking they're talking, they're about, talking us? about it. They <laughs> like us. Oh, let's get this thing back out. <laughs> so I know that logically it's not gonna work on them again because they've seen what that actual what the what the actual outcome is. It yeah. would be so funny if it's like the they're talking about us again. Be... They they gotta like us now this time. Let's get it out of the theaters. Yeah. Let's go. The yeah. angle would have to be someone at Sony was aware that it was a bit and they thought maybe people would come see it as a joke. Yeah. But even that yeah. would be a hard sell. <laughs> Hear me out. Uh 
corporate feudalism owning all of our art is bad, but is it worth it for the comedy of Morbius being released a second time <laughs> to thundering disapproval? <laughs> uh, ooh, that's, I'm going to have to really sit with that one. Audience, tweet you at know, us. What do you think? <laughs> is it worth bring Morbius, is his, Hashtag bring Morbius back round three. Is live in worth it for the joke that's of the, Morbius? That's the next Patreon poll right there. Hashtag Morbius <laughs> round three. Get it trending. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we just do the worst idea ever before <laughs> Worst idea of all time, but for Morbius. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the crew of the ship, again, there's like six of them total for this whole freighter. Call, all start descending on the lab, leaving Morbius locked into his little like test room with the first guy who came down to the lab, and he gets oh absolutely attacked by this living vampire, terrifying monster man. Uh, his girlfriend, that's not his girlfriend yet, but you know, you know how these movies go. Uh, she tries to talk him down, and it looks like it's working for a moment, but the alarm going off sets him off, and he starts banging against the glass, eventually breaking out as the rest of the crew arrives uh, to see their dead boss man drained of blood. Using <laughs> Morbius artsy slow motion, where they, like, motion blur the colors behind him and, like, oh, mist effect it. This is my least favorite thing in this movie. The mist effect? When he... I was, like, somehow... This looks worse than just regular slow. Like you, right? you. May, I, I appreciate the attempt to do something that, like, some sort of unique visual language about him morbing, as I'm mm-hmm. going to call it. But there is <laughs> no. Original. It's so ugly. I'm. I don't typically care about CGI effects where people are like they're mm-hmm. bad. I'm like whatever. Except for you know, obviously, the mistreatment of the industry is horrible, and yeah. that's that's a bad thing. But to me, I'm like I. I watched like the CW Flash for. Yeah. Many seasons. Mm-hmm. Bad CGI, I'm like, cool, that's whatever. How's the story? Uh, this is hideous design, though, and I hate it. <laughs> it is so ugly and unpleasant. Yeah. And it doesn't even get to be smoky. It's more like whatever color he's wearing gets sm- smokeified. It's, so yeah. they're when doing... he does it in the prison jumpsuit and it's orange, it's, it's so orange. hideous. Yeah. They're it's doing so like a, a motion blur but in slow motion. So like, I think yeah. if you played this back regular speed, the motion blur effect could potentially work. It's not my favorite. It's not how I would do it, but I do see like the logic behind it. But because whenever we go into this like Morbin mode, we're also in slow-mo, it just looks uncanny. Like it's, it's yeah. both slowed down and sped up at the same time. And instead you just kind of feel like he's moving at a regular human pace, but just like trailing paint behind him. I'm going to, I'm gonna be the contrarian here. I actually liked the the effect for when he morbs. Oh, we've got I a morb really, fan. I don't, I, don't have, <laughs> I don't really have a reason why. It might have just been like when he's like doing his little testing, which we'll get to in a little bit. And he's mm-hmm. like, I I've been able to even develop some form of echolocation, and then like the way that he is able to echolocate, or at least how we you know see it visually is is kind of through like a pulsing smoky effect that kind of emanates from it. and i was like you know what yeah that's cool all right that, that, that's okay i'll give you that every time it slows down though you like you say the effect is ruined for me and it and i can't but imagine it's... another reason why they would slow down other than hey look at this spectacle look at what we're doing haha <laughs> well that's exactly it. yeah to, now to, now i don't know maybe this is a, a shallow reading of it but to my mind, the purpose of slow motion in a movie is like a splash page in a comic. It's supposed to say, look at this moment. Mm-hmm. Iconic, something is happening. 
or and or there is a lot of detail here that needs to be expressed mm. uh, in the in this one action beat. So we're going to slow it down a little bit uh, so that you can proper more properly observe that detail. But more often than not, it's just like here is the moment. This is the exclamation point in this in this this paragraph of you know these action beats. Look at this one. But they just yeah. use it constantly and so it becomes the same effect of using an exclamation point for every line of dialogue in or a book even where even grammatically just incorrect like, an exclamation point in the middle of like mm -hmm. a word yeah. it's like that's not yeah. where it's supposed it's, to go the, the, the slow this, motion stuff you cannot tell what's going on it's still all fucked up and mess and messy mm -hmm. because of the the morbing effect so it's like you it's slow motion to see detail but the detail is covered by horrible smoke yeah. Yeah. It feels like you need to balance your choices, right? Like you can have the mm -hmm. smoke effect and you can go all in on that and you can try and make it look nicer or you can do the slow-mo interspersed to like show Morbius moving quickly. And I feel like yeah. doing both is trying to have your cake and eat it too in special effects and it's just not reading well on camera because it's too it's simultaneously too artificial and impractical and too disorienting so the audience can't read it thus undercutting the purpose of slow motion and also undercutting any visual impact that might have been made by the smoke effect. Uh, it's just, I don't know, it just doesn't work for me. I respect that it might, the smoke effect might work for you, Noir, because I do, I think I could see I the point of origin from where that, that might have been a choice made for this movie, but I think the way that they yeah. executed it is just awful. No, I mean, that's fair. There's a couple of things that come up later in the movie uh, that once we get to it, I'm going to that, that deal with the morb effect and once we get to that point i'll, I'll bring it up again but for mm -hmm. now we'll we'll keep trucking along yes yeah, uh, so basically the next character <laughs> <laughs> oh rosencrantz and guildenstern those yeah. fuckers yeah oh roman's in this movie my boy roman for the fast and furious <laughs> <laughs> dr bancroft gets knocked out uh the rest of the crew is hunted down all over the ship by Morbius, it's very alien, but so much worse. There was one shot where they drag a guy into the fog, and I was like, oh, maybe this movie has visual language, and we're gonna get some like cool horror movie effects. And then, no, that's the only shot that made me have that thought throughout the entire movie. Um, after the carnage, Morbius comes to fading into his from his living vampire form into his human form, no longer as sickly as he now has the surprise. He does the Spider-Man uh, Homecoming look into the mirror and like, well, I have abs now, except it's so unconvincing. <laughs> <laughs> and it should be impactful because this is a man who has dealt with this like crippling disease his whole life and it's now he can like see himself in the mirror and he's like whoa I have like this I have strong physical form and instead it's just like whoa look in the mirror abs wow it's weird because like they set it up too like throughout the movie both uh, Jared Leto and Matt Smith like they mm -hmm. look a, a little bit more emaciated mm -hmm. and when they do when they do morb um, or after they have passed the morb threshold, uh, they, 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 they do look more filled out and they have abs and stuff like that. And so it's not even like it's a, it's not even like it was poorly set up. It just, there's yeah. no impact to it for whatever reason. Yeah. Like a lot of the beats, it feels like they're like, we have to hit this note in order to progress in the story. So we're going to hit it and just move on. And you're not giving the notes that could have been impactful time to breathe in service of letting there be more morbin, which is just fine. <laughs> If only there had been more Morbin. That could have saved this movie. <laughs> Honestly, well, more Morbin could have saved this movie. <laughs> at least well, then maybe it would have been of, fun. <laughs> it's weird, though, because at least I would have thought, at least when I was watching the trailers, I would have thought for this first Morbin instance, the first Morbin instance, that it would have been played like 
like an, like Alien, like a horror movie yeah. in which you don't yes. you don't know what's happening. But no, like they 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 show Morbius morbin mm-hmm. out. There's there it, it ruins any suspense yeah. of like oh what could be yada yada. Like I thought I thought the movie was gonna start with the you know the two jokester cops or whatever coming across this boat and it was they... seen that it was all like. <laughs> Like it was all ruined and destroyed, and then that's what the that's the setup. Like, oh, who could have done I'm this? I'm so glad you brought that up because I had this thought midway through watching the movie. I was like, you know what would have made this like rocket to the next level of greatness for me? If this was not a poorly done horror movie and was instead a mid tier procedural in the length of a mo- movie, and the like, we just watch. <laughs> thing one and thing two go through unraveling the like law and order episode of just Morbius's no bad it's, no good very bad day we start with the boat very NCIS very like oh look the Navy and they go oh, through you, following the clues they go to the dock the same stuff happens in the pitching, background what you're pitching is a you're movie in which X-Files. Morbius is the villain much like he is in most of the media he's in which would make sense Except that it would require the the detectives to be compelling protagonists. It's, but. Yes, then you, you need new characters, <laughs> yes. and their yeah. names aren't going to be on the movie. Morbius is, and he's a character who won't show up, so yeah. the whole thing falls apart. But mm-hmm. yes, I yeah. do think. Yeah, that skip that. all this. Just skip do all the this. Fucking, um, just do the. Was he in Midnight Suns? Just skip to the team up movie. <laughs> is he in Midnight Suns, or is he in? Um, we'll Defenders? get to that. I forget. Uh, before we we're about to meet these cops anyway, so we return to the lab. Uh, Morbius is like, whoa. M- cr- uh, carnage everywhere he rushes over to uh dr bancroft and she's breathing so it's fine um just knocked out morbius reviews the security tapes sees what he's done and terrified of himself and uh, horrified by his actions uh he calls in a mayday for the boat and then picks up the remnants of his experiment and morbs away uh the ship Mm -hmm. now being towed in is a crime scene as fbi agent stroud Uh, it's Stroud and thing one and thing two is fine. It couldn't possibly matter less. Yeah, I (laughs) don't know if they name him until later in the movie. Rodriguez, it's Stroud and Rodriguez. These two agents, one basically is Blade, and the other uh, seems to believe in vampires. And that's it's sort of like the worst version of Mulder and Scully I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. And it's we get presumably, I guess they worked on. They, they mentioned San Francisco, which is referencing Venom, the movie, yes. which yes. I haven't seen, thankfully. But uh, it's so I'm curious, are they in that movie or are they just like... I'm trying to remember if they show I up in Venom or not, because that movie is such like a I fever dream in my think, mind. I do not think I that the connective tissue of the Sony multiverse... I don't think it's that strong. <laughs> yeah, I, I, no, I don't De- think the connective De- tissue are these two detectives. I do not... <laughs> Okay, they, but what you are suggesting wants? that you are suggesting that they are the Nick Fury of the Sony Cinematic what Verse. What these two bums were the Nick Fury of the Cinematic? <laughs> <laughs> and they were just always showing up. They didn't. They, they were just. They just Whoa. show up to try and arrest all of the protagonists. They show up in grave to arrest him. <laughs> I would watch the, if they honestly though that would make me want to watch back these the movies. procedural thing if they <laughs> yes. leaned into yeah. that what if these movies were procedurals it. where they were just always tracking down Spider-Man's bad guys and they <laughs> couldn't get them because they're not Spider-Man yes I <laughs> would so love that I think that'd be an incredibly <laughs> funny compelling series of movies that would pre- give actual entertainment value as opposed to what we got which was just the very one note film uh, but these two guys, they have 
besides Matt Smith, probably the most verve of any character in the movie, which is at once both a high and low bar to clear. Um, They kind of recap what's happened, uh, including that the bodies were nearly drained of their blood. The Rodriguez, the one who's like, oh, vampires, is like, ha ha ha, like a vampire. (laughs) We then cut to a news report where Milo is watching the ship get towed in the port and hears of all the carnage as uh, Dr. Nicholas is also there popping by to visit and he's like oh what's he done uh knowing that that was indeed his good friend morbius morbius meanwhile is not in <laughs> he's in his perfectly stealthy hoodie uh as he visits <laughs> dr bancroft in the hospital who's out cold so he just holds her and apologizes and leaves he returns to his old lab with the bat tube uh, and as he walks in his body starts to return to its more fragile state and in order to combat this he has to drink the synthetic blood uh, which we know is the, synth- the synthetic blood because it's blue. Uh, that's the demarcator of this movie. We saw it at the Nobel ceremony. They popped it up on the big screens just so that it was planted earlier. The blue and the red. <laughs> yeah, that, that's how they're referred to. Mm-hmm. The blue and the red. The blue and the red. Which is kind of dumb, but I also like it better than if they kept having to be like, Real blood, fake blood, like, blood or something yeah. like that. Like just calling it the red and the blue. I'm like, let's get through yeah. it quickly, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I save some <laughs> precious seconds off this runtime. Unlike this podcast, <laughs> it's not a polished turd. It is specks of, I don't, I don't know, like a shiny breath mint that you can see in the turd. I don't know. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> this is. I don't know. <laughs> oh. four, four, four different things to response to that fought their way into my head, and none of them made it out of my mouth. <laughs> okay. Let's go. Let's go. This next sequence is basically Morbius learning all of his different powers, and it outlines for us what he can do throughout the movie. And you know how superhero uh, movies usually have this moment where a superhero mm-hmm. learns their initial power set. And then they have to get stronger later on. Yeah, Morbius, act two, fun and games. We test the powers. Come on, baby. Morbius doesn't yeah. really have the act three part where he has like the actual like power of will power up. He just sort of learns everything now, and that's as good as he's gonna be for like most of the movie. Oh yeah, I, I mean, I do. That's a, yeah. There's a few moments where you could maybe say like that's sort of a power up, but it this is notably like it is, none of those moments are given the weight I think that they would need to really fulfill this role for me question because we're mm-hmm. a little ahead of this but you 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 already touch on it and i i have to ask so your typical rinse and repeat of superhero genre fair is and by the way this is not bad uh, tropes exist no. because they define and strengthen the genre right is mm-hmm. superhero has a flaw uh is thrust with great power uh and then they uh fail in some way they, they test their powers they fail when it matters uh, and then they learn a lesson coming out on the other side. They are strengthened and they defeat the bad guy, right? And Iron Man, uh, he's a selfish dick and he gets superpowers and is kind of less of a selfish dick. Uh, but then he he still is one and he he mm-hmm. uh, you know misses the whole Obadiah thing and Obadiah uh, gets the better of him. And then you get like, he learns his lesson coming on the other side where you see like before he cares about the cars that he has in his garage, right? Uh, and then when he has to go save Pepper, because that's what matters to him, he, like, pushes the car aside with a blast. Who cares anymore? Let's go. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, does this movie have that? Or is no. he just, he just never seems to learn they or give change us a, or grow? Yeah. So I think that this thing that's interesting is for Morbius, they're like, hey, we need him to be sympathetic because he's the protagonist of this movie, even though in any other instance, he'd probably be the villain. So 
the way that we're going to do this is we're going to present you with a, as far as you can tell, uh, unflawed man. The, while certainly as a human being who has interacted with other human beings, I could point to things that Dr. Morbius does throughout his life and say, hey, maybe that wasn't great. Yeah. The movie treats him as though he is this very intelligent, very noble person. And the only thing he has to really overcome is an external disease that he has suffered with for his whole life. And while that is unfortunate and certainly a motivator, it also is taken like, they don't necessarily treat it as a character flaw, but it is the only thing close enough to that for the sake of the superhero narrative, the tropes that we're used to seeing. Like they don't really build up to him being particularly hubristic, right? So I I would hesitate because that's the only other real thing I could say you could point to maybe to be like, that's Morbius's flaw is he was like too, too prideful, too sure of himself. But like, that's not the case. We see him almost immediately Renee on his finding. He's like, oh no, this thing I did was bad. Here's the fallout from it. Here's the solution I need to come up with, right? So- Yeah, exactly. He doesn't create, he doesn't create Milo in his hubris and no. then have to contend with that. Like there's no want versus need, like uh, like tension yeah. there. <laughs> I, I don't know if this is necessarily the right conclusion to be coming from it because this is just the Hulk. But done worse. But the Hulk didn't have a, <laughs> the Hulk didn't have a flaw, you know, coming into it. His his flaw as a superhero was trying to control the beast within, which is exactly what Morbius mm-hmm. is doing. And then now that I'm thinking about it, the similar conflict in Hulk versus Morbius is that people want the Hulk's blood to use, you know, for their own needs and gain. And so, like, the conflict, at least for the Hulk, is trying to control himself, his own urges, and and like trying to maintain his peace as the uh, like, the Hulk within, and then also trying to protect other people who one misunderstand the Hulk and two also want the Hulk to 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 get his blood because it used to be a super super soldier serum or whatever. This is it's the same thing as Morbius. He doesn't necessarily have to have a flaw. I would be fine with his struggle being to try and control the beast within, except that it's not. For, what, first of all, it's not even that bad of a beast. And two, he seems to do it kind <laughs> yeah. of okay anyway. Yeah, I was going to say, that that's the thing, right? He doesn't need a flaw, right? Like, C- Captain America in his movie doesn't have a flaw. That's kind of the whole point. Mm-hmm. The world bends to him. But there is still, like, want need. There is there's conflict in yeah. what they have to do and what they want to do. And for Hulk, that's he wants to get rid of the Hulk, but he has to accept that the Hulk is a part of him, right? right? So in like the Incredible Hulk, he tries to get, ignore the Hulk and get rid of it, and all those times it fails, and then at the end, he's yep. like, maybe I can aim it, and then the Hulk and he win, and they save uh, Betty, and it's a great. Right. This 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 movie, does, I, I don't know what... <laughs> what does yeah. he need to do? I don't... Yeah, he, it's also not established that he has any want. Need to control it? Yeah, his, yeah. his want is to save his friend but that doesn't have any conflict. And, and the want is removed to... when he realizes that the thing that he used to save his friend isn't going to save him anyway, so it's not even that. And he even right. failed yeah. at that. He, like, Milo mm-hmm. Milo got to it. If they had better established, I suppose, uh, Morbius and, and Bancroft being, like, fuck it, just make him a couple, like, make it, but make it, show it better, I suppose, um, then that would be something to protect. It would be, you know, the Betty to, or it would, yeah, it would be the Betty to Morbius' Hulk which, I, you know, it's something, but I, I don't know. It, it's very muddy, and it's not very clear, and those those aren't really great hallmarks of a movie. Yeah, there's no, like, emotional or moral core to this movie. They are just using the tropes of the superhero genre to construct a story around a character that they have done no work to invest you in in any way. And it doesn't help that, like, Jared Leto's performance is probably the worst of the movie. <laughs> like, he's not giving us any charisma I mean, to then yeah. fall back on either. <laughs> 
I mean, no one really comes out swinging with the exception of Matt Smith and his funny dance. Mm-hmm. But wait, well, let's get to Matt Smith's funny dance. Yeah. Let's so, power through. Morbius That's is recording reward his results. The, the, the gist of this sequence is like he's testing out the limits of his powers. He's like, oh, I'm super strong and fast, and I'm going to stand in my bat tube and talk about how I feel a kinship for the bats who welcome me like a brother. And I've even developed a form of echolocation. And in one line, he says, I don't know how to control it. And then in the next shot, he learns how to control it. So that's fine. Um, he also explains mm-hmm. that the powers are temporary. He needs the artificial blood every six hours, but the uh, time between when he needs the blood keeps shrinking. He's not going to be able to drink artificial blood forever. Um, and once it becomes ineffective, he does not know what he will do. He starts an experiment yeah. where he tries to go without uh, the synthetic blood, the blue, uh, and his illness returns. He has to either drink the uh, red someday or die but he can't let what happened on that ship happen again he's determined not to kill again this is when Milo goes to visit uh, Morbius at his lab and finds him mid the blood deprivation experiment so Morbius uses his bloody finger on the wall to write the word blood and then Milo rushes to get him some from the freezer bringing him synthetic blood Morbius chugs and then I... returns to normal <laughs> I love how it took Milo the entire five letters to figure out what <laughs> he wanted. The entire five letters to write. Blue, blue what? <laughs> that's not how you. That's not how you spell even, blue. Even if he had written blue instead of blood, the synthetic blood is blue. It's also blue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I I really it thought that like Matt Smith would have like, oh, you want guess. the blood by like B L O at right? least at most, you know. It's, but no, it's um. Also, the whole quandary, he's like, I don't want to drink blood. But he, if I remember, he just drinks it, the red from a bag at some point. Does he yes. or does he not? Yeah. yeah. So yes. he could just drink donated blood, which he seems I do not to have know. in spades. I don't know outside of the ship if he's, which, if we ever see him drinking blood out of a human again. Yeah, exactly. Uh, which, yeah. by the way, he's already, I want to. Oh my, this is so stupid and pointless. Mm-hmm. This is not a real yeah. criticism. I want to get at this real quick. He's already getting three blood transfusions a day. Surely the amount of blood he's being given to not go apeshit as a vampire <laughs> in real blood could not max out the three blood transfusions. This was the point I was I getting stuck he's on like, too. I have because urges like- now, but like, <laughs> I'm like, Morbius, surely you're like, I'm going to become an animal. I'm going to lose myself when I go off the blue. It's like, you just drink the red out of a bag and you seem to be pretty chill. This was the Mm -hmm. point I was getting stuck on because like the thing with a lot of vampire media is they go back and forth on whether or not vampires can drink like from a blood bank or not, or if they actually have to like get human blood fresh, right? Like, yeah. And even within like the vampire diaries goes back and forth on whether or not it's okay. Right. So like, no, there's no consensus. So Morbius could have just made the executive decision. The writers of Morbius could have just been like, hey, you know what the solution at the end of the movie is going to be? He can just drink the bags and bags and bags of actual blood that he just has in his lab at any given moment. And I'm sure exactly. he can get more of them. Also, all of the, all, yeah, go, all go, the go. draw is that, sorry, all the draw is of being a vampire. Like the, the, like the, the darkness of the vampire is like the power, it seems like. Not the not the need to feed on a person. Like they get mm-hmm. hungry and they need blood, otherwise they get sick again. But it doesn't seem that Milo is ever like, ooh, I like, I gotta drink this blood. He's like, oh, I'm strong and I wanna kill these people who slighted me. Yeah. You know? It's, it doesn't seem like the need to feed is ever like, oh, I can't be close to you because I, I feel the need to drink your blood. It's more like, yeah, and then I get hungry, and if I'm 
Yeah. You wouldn't like me when I'm hungry. There's an explicit yeah. moment of later on in the movie where they show that Morbius has enough control over himself to, even if he is gets the scent of fresh blood, to not immediately go full Morb on it. Yeah. Like, yeah. You, you the, all of the <laughs> evidence in this movie is pointing that there's a very easy solution to your problem. You don't have to go crazy. Also, also, also. Ooh, sorry, Dwarka. Yeah. <laughs> also, if the issue was that the artificial blood wasn't being as effective, he could improve on the make of the artificial He's the blood. One perhaps who invented he refused the artificial a Nobel blood. Prize for it. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, like this is not his, good enough yet. Yeah. He's like, this the is real his wheelhouse. So like. And I think he mentions that, like, the blood, he, the reason why he didn't refuse it was because that artificial blood was a byproduct of his actual research, and it was, like, it was, like, a failed attempt or whatever. Fucking make it your actual attempt, then. There you go. You got, you, like, <laughs> It's so yeah. funny. Also, I want to uh, point out real quick that uh, the, the, him murdering those mooks is just, like, com- every single person in this movie is com- could just completely not care away. The, even the cops are like, now, those were a bunch of thugs in international waters. So, obviously, yeah. they didn't have families or their lives had no intrinsic value. Killing them, no big deal. But uh, now that you got this nurse, we got a problem. Yeah, so basically what happens yeah, is, everyone like... Everyone lets him off the hook so fast for those armed yeah. dudes. And murders. Morbius doesn't even, like, grapple with the morality of having killed... Like, he's a doctor. I, I, at least, it seems Do in no the medical harm, sense, Morbius. at the very least. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so, it, it seems like he doesn't really grapple with that at all maybe for a moment and then he's like "Ooh, i can i can scientific method my powers yeah so basically what's going on from now michael morbius is like no milo don't be amazed at my uh brilliant breakthrough this was actually a terrible mistake but the way he delivers that line i'm like you're not even convinced that this was a mistake my man no uh milo asked for the cure but morbius won't give it to him he doesn't want milo to become what he has and lose control so i guess this is our establishment of like milo is going to lose control if he gets the bat uh coagulant milo is insistent so morbius uh shows him his morbin face and milo runs away and uh as milo hustles out morbius calls after him but he's left all alone meanwhile the fbi guys visit the now awake dr bancroft they ask about the container ship and the ex ex um how do i say this word exsanguination exsanguinated bodies inside yeah you got it yeah (laughs) Some words <laughs> don't of. hit right in my very slight Philly accent. That's one of them. Yeah, I was going to say, it's just that Philly accent. It's the same reason why you say water. Uh, we were you know, not a lot of vampires in uh, Philadelphia. They, uh, they're like, show pictures of the victims and their puncture wounds. And it's like, those look like fan mar- fang marks, don't they? We're all trying to avoid saying the word vampire. And uh, they ask about the experiment that they were doing, but she just claims to have a hard time rem- remembering what happened and the most suspicious refusal to comply of all time. And they uh, take their leave, but they just one more thing her and ask if she worked at Horizon Labs with Dr. Morbius. And then we get the worst establishing shot of all time. Google. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Or even right. just look at the most recent headline from the Daily Bugle. Yes, which is like a thing in this universe. Recent. There's like a very yeah. specific well, yeah. line where someone's like, give me that copy of the Daily Bugle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, whose editor is J. Jonah Jameson? Photographs by Peter Parker. That one? Yeah. I was shocked yeah. there wasn't like an article in the corner of the paper that's like, Spider Man. <laughs> I guess that would have broken some contracts. Well, they cut the, spy- the Spider Man yeah. um, cameo that was supposed to be in it. Was it actually, uh, was it actually a cameo, or did no, they just, it's the, like, it's like the, the picture, the picture. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which good. 
I hate this establishing shot so much because it's supposed to show you that the sign on the side of the building says horizon, but it's at an angle where you can only see it for 0.5 seconds and then it just looks like a regular fucking building and it doesn't actually do anything to establish where you are in New York, so you just have to assume that you're at the place that Morbius is saying you're at. Uh, but inside, the nurse that we saw in the beginning who ran in to interrupt Dr. Morbius after his mouse trial uh, is walking alone in the dark down a hallway with a, a flicker and light when a noise draws her attention. This is another scene where I'm like, you're trying to play off of horror movie tropes, but you're making an action movie and it's just not working. Um, the lights continue to flicker as she asks who's there, and eventually a uh, shape in the background rushes to the ceiling. Again, it's the only instance in the background there should have been more of this rustling about behind her, because what's scary, it's what you don't see. Um, she turns to speedwalk and run away, and eventually turns on the lights uh, before, of course, behind her, a hand reaches out, and she got morbed. Or did she? <sighs> She got Milo'd. She got Milo'd. It doesn't have the same ring to it. I guess it's better than Lucian. <laughs> she got Lucian. Yeah. Morbius uses his echolocation to hear the commotion in the hallway as opposed to just looking out of the open door of his laboratory and seeing the commotion in the hallway and uh, watches as everyone finds the body of the nurse. Um, I guess everyone just accepts that he's back at the hospital now. Maybe they didn't think he ever left. Uh, it's time to go. He puts on his inconspicuous hoodie and his uh, crutches for disguise. But as he heads through the lobby, the two FBI agents intercept him and begin to ask some questions. They ask him how he is on boats and if he would do crazy experiments on a boat. Uh, and Morbius takes offense to that. But he just talks them uh, off until eventually they get a call about the body literally right upstairs. And at that point, they're like, uh, it's suspicious. We got to take you in for questioning because this lady we care about. Um, <laughs> because you're fleeing a building where a woman was murdered <laughs> after we're pretty sure you're on a boat where people were murdered I love the stilted like cop talk like trying to like buddy buddy with them like how are you with sea how are you on boats it's like as you can see I don't really have my sea legs he says <laughs> just during this and I'm like ah, alright you got yeah you, you can have that one <laughs> single one <laughs> Everyone in Morbius yeah. gets one moment. Everyone watching Morbius gets one moment that you're allowed to be like, okay, Morbius, I see you. They try to take him in for questioning, but he goes Morbin on them and makes for the roof, where, carried by the wind, he very nearly falls over the edge when he finds himself instead at the end of the gun of one of the FBI agents, and here he's where, in the movie, he ends up in prison. Um, mm -hmm. Continuing to write in his log that he has with him, he notes artificial blood will stop working in a few days, and he's then questioned by the FBI. They show him his paper bat from the ship, uh, origami still being a hobby of his, and then they say, this is where they're like, we wouldn't have cared about the lives of the guys on the boat, but you killed a single mother of twin girls, Nurse Sutton, who is now being named posthumously in this movie, and that one really stings. Yeah. Well, it's so insane. We already had a character who we knew, who we cared about in that hallway in who could have died. Fucking and, across which, the by hall. the way, would have totally been infringing. But at the same time, it's like, well, at least we knew that person. This is just no one. Yeah. We're, we're taking our wins where we can get folks. They're trying to also and make us, the that. audience, care about her afterwards, too. Like, they're very much to be yeah. like, we have to make her sympathetic now because we realize that no one's going to care about this person other than the fact that they are just a person in the back out of this movie. She was a single mother, and her dog was missing three legs. <laughs> They're like, why'd you do it, Morbius? But he's like, I don't know. I don't know what's happening to me. I, that was my coworker. I worked with her every day. And I think what this scene is trying Could've to do us. is establish that Morbius, like, has either thinks he's lost control or is trying to wrestle with why he would have 
like either knowing that he didn't kill that victim or why he would have killed that victim unknowingly. And it's not really doing a great job of establishing that. It sort of just reads like, we have to rehash this information. We all know what the FBI thinks you did. Why do we have to hear it from them too? Also, he yeah. thinks he's dangerous. There is nothing about Morbius to this point. A man who says that he's willing to lose his medical degree as long as he can cure whatever the affliction is, because that is his primary goal in life. That would make me think that he, if he thought he was going becoming a murderous, mindless Batman, would not tell the police, hey, you got to put me in a box. Yeah, right? Yeah, he... He hey, called you know, the distress signal on him. Yeah, he he called the yeah. distress called signal the on himself. Yeah, I don't see why. Yeah, anyway. Morbius then starts demanding artificial blood, starting to get hungry. You don't want to see me when I'm hungry. Continuing the Hulk analogy of it all, uh, and the agents uh, take their leave, leaving him high and dry. As Morbius heads back to his cell to meet with his quote-unquote lawyer. <gasps> It's Milo. They hug it out. Milo seems surprised Morbius is in jail, despite all evidence suggesting otherwise. And Milo's like, I believe you, Morbius. Um, you only ever help people, and you don't belong in jail, and we need to get you out of here in whatever way possible. Jailbreak, baby. Uh, after all, Morbius can't be sure it was he who killed the nurse. So ho-ho, what does Milo know that Morbius doesn't? No time to dwell on that, because their time to chat is up. Milo leaves... Morbius with some blood on the bench, red to keep him going. It's the good stuff. Milo then proceeds <laughs> to. Man, they do not do an exhaustive search in this prison. No, they just let you really into the don't. cell, and they're like, he has bags of blood on him. Bags. He says he's a lawyer. Pretty sure they won't even let you bring in a pen. <laughs> he he had he also just had a full on flask of alcohol. Did he yes, just, he had too. a flask that he just that he was flails. flaunting in front of the guard as he was walking out. He cheers yeah. as a guard as he walks out. He also leaves his cane behind in Morbius's room because Milo can walk perfectly <gasps> normally now. That's right. Milo's gotten stronger and stronger because he took the treatment after Morbius told him not to. What? So shocking. Morbius, enraged by this realization, drinks the blood bag and regains his Morbin face and punches through a window at the top of his cell, making his escape by half-flying, half-jumping out into the city as Milo stops to buy a copy of the Daily Bugle and then also uh, eat the newspaper stand guy who insults his buddy, good buddy Morbius. Morbius tracks him with echolocation. Uh, I have a few thoughts about this. I don't think that's how echolocation works. As far as I understand it, like it's a way yeah. to see what's immediately around you. Uh, also, yes. the range seems to, it's like it's always on, but he has to like expand the range sometimes, but he also can always hear the critical lines of dialogue regardless of how far away they are from him in any given scene. I don't understand how this power is supposed to work, and he explicitly told us in an earlier scene in the movie, and it's still unclear. <laughs> yeah, right? That's that's the point of an exposition, is to make clear to the audience without doing the hard work of having to demonstrate it. Yeah. But they don't even succeed in that. And in an action movie, the actions that are possible are the stakes, right? Yeah. Like, that's how we understand what could happen and what we are surprised when it happened and what is a breakthrough when it does happen, as opposed to just, like, as opposed to just, like, oh, yeah, it's, it does whatever's necessary. Then also, there's no concept of what stakes are supposed to be. The whole concept, or at least how the, the, the whole echolocation thing is also interesting because it immediately brings into question whether or not the people in the world can see this little smoky effects because if that were the case they would immediately notice the echolocation effect which is like a pulsating smoke effect or whatever yeah and so i can only imagine that it is either something for the audience to visualize like episode the last airbender airbending but but there this was kind of what i was getting at earlier there is a scene where because at this, I, I think at this point, Morbius doesn't fly. He like 
at he he like he leaps from building style. to building. He's falling style. But then yes. he realizes through the smoke, which is sort of he, he's like in a train station, and he realizes mm-hmm. that the approaching train is sending air currents. And then he and seeing the smoke trails follow the air currents, he realizes that he can use the air currents to pseudo fly to glide in a sense. We'll get to that later. So that has to mean that at least Morbius can see his own smoke trails, which then gives me the very funny image of those mooks in the boat just seeing a guy moving <laughs> in the air. No <laughs> no smoke trails to quickly. No smoke trails to suggest movement, just a guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, I, lo- I love that I, idea. This is the anyway. part where I forget what happens until the end. Like, I know he escapes prison. I know he goes to prison. I know he escapes. I know he's yeah. mad at Milo. Milo kills some guys. And then, to my knowledge, it's the final fight of the movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was that, that was me up until this point, actually. Because I I was half listening. And then he was, and I was like, oh, a nurse dies. And I was like, oh, I must have been Morbius. And then apparently I, I kind of tuned back in. I'm like, wait, it wasn't Morbius? Oh, I, okay, I guess that makes sense. And then I resumed as normal. Yeah, I was like, but, I guess. Uh, yeah, I, what happened, I, Sophia? I went into this movie with the understanding that Morbius was a villain and then realized very quickly that they're like, no, 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 he's just a troubled hero. And He's I'm like, an okay, so, anti-hero? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Morbius, he catches up to Milo. He confronts him for taking the serum and Milo admits to killing the nurse and asks him to come with me, Morbius. <laughs> we could be great together. The whole world's out there for us to enjoy. But this is a falling out between brothers. Milo uh, doesn't want to go back to being sick and Morbius won't let him just roam freely doing vampire stuff. So they vampire fight through the subway, which is really just another good old day in classic NYC. Um Milo once again tries to appeal to Morbius' scientific side, but Morbius wants a cure, and Milo is perfectly happy being the bad guy as long as he has his strength proven by immediately murdering a bunch of cops and passersby who try to stop them from vampire fighting in the subway. Morbius' power walks away from Milo as Milo follows, refusing to fight his old friend in what was maybe the most 80-yard line read of all time. I'm not gonna fight you, Milo! He's not even on screen. It's not like you see in the back of him when the line is red. We're fully on a different shot of... <laughs> oy, oy. Uh, Morbius, this is where he uses his bat senses to feel the airwaves generated by a train and then manages to, at the last second, glide his way away from Milo. Meanwhile, the FBI catches up to the dead cops that they left behind in the train station. Milo watches good old Lady Bancroft at her apartment. The next day, she walks herself through the crowded streets into a bodega, trying to lose one of the FBI agents who is tailing her and easily succeeding. Uh, She reads about Morbius wanted for murder in the paper, but he's sitting right behind her in his totally most stealthy hoodie. He's like, hey, I didn't kill any of the subway people or the nurse. That was Milo. And she just takes his word for it immediately. So uh, he asks for her help in stopping Milo and they go to a coffee shop to talk it out. He's worried about what happens to him when the artificial blood stops working and he becomes like Milo, but she's like, you won't become like Milo with giving no follow-up reasoning to like why that would be the case. Am I insane? Do they ever close that circle? Do we ever find out what's going to happen? No. Yeah, he just (laughs) solves, he has this, yeah, he has this external conflict where he has to figure out what to do about the blood running out. And he also has this conflict where he has to solve his friend. And these two things are actually unrelated to each other they <laughs> the, solving one and solving the other there's no connection between those two they're mm-hmm. just two separate 
events. This is a man who a lot of things happen to. <laughs> That's the movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he like, makes very few choices throughout this movie. Yeah. There's there's like a uh, isn't it like a like like a really well-known screenwriting trick that the story has to be a series of because and therefores that sort of like help mm. guide instead one scene to the other. Instead of yeah. and this seems like a bunch of and thens and thens and thens. Yeah. Because exactly. doesn't doesn't he get his next lead just yeah, falling into just his lap by some Russian? Sitting in the coffee yeah, shop, yeah. having this conversation yeah. when some street goons come up and start handing the cashier counterfeit hundred dollar bills, and they like, it looks like maybe they're gonna harass her at first, and eventually they just sort of be like, "Here's three hundred bucks, please don't say anything." Morbius overhears 300, this. Three hundred counterfeit bucks, right? Counterfeit Which bucks, kind of yeah. And she just sort of like <laughs> takes. They they get the back onto the shot. They just sort of like walk off, and it seems like nothing has happened. He asks uh, his girl to get him some stuff from his lab, and then leaves, where he takes some of the synthetic blood from a nearby paramedics bag and tracks the counterfeit goons to their secret hideout, where he confronts them, demands their laboratory, and when of course they say no, he starts breaking bones. I could have sworn he said, "I am venom" in this scene. <laughs> He, he does. That's he a does. different guy. <laughs> so here's the thing, right? In the trailer, it's like, just kidding. It's me, your friendly Dr. Michael Morbius. Which, like, sure, I can understand that being, like, a fun little haha. Nope. He just lets the guy go on w- w- with no with no further explanation. Also, also, apparently people call him Venom. And he's, like, yeah. a known... He's, yeah. like, Bigfoot. But, yeah. no, I guess not. Because people don't believe in Bigfoot. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, Venom. Yeah. That freak yeah. over in San Francisco. It's not here. We don't have to deal with it. So, okay, hold on. When was it ever established that those Russian goons were the specific Russian goons that are under Milo's payroll, and then therefore it is reasonable for Morbius to think that following them would lead to some, like, lab? Well, I don't using their lab. Or, yeah, yeah. I don't think it's that they're the goons under Milo's payroll because this movie does not have the forethought to have made that a setup and payoff situation. I think it's, it's just he saw them make try and pass off counterfeit money. And assume so that like, in order to make it, they must have a workshop. Yeah. Okay. Underst- oh, okay. And that's why he jury rigs a centrifuge. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Understood. This is how he gets access to a lab and gets to retrofitting their money printing gig into like a medical facility with a centrifuge and all that jazz. Um, I guess those parts and things all equivalently work and can be used for the same functions as his high-level yep. medical research. I love research. how he was able to take the round bit from the money press, apparently, yeah. and then he was also able to find a holder that could perfectly hold a test tube in the exact angle you would want it in for a centrifuge. Also, that thing's Another not minor. balanced. That I, thing's not balanced I in the slightest. I was about to say, it's not balanced in the slightest. Yeah. I was like, you got to put another tube on the other side of equal mass. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, the whole thing will... <laughs> Um, it's fine. It's fine. He was able to. He was able to solve. Uh, what, what was it? Uh, dozens of electrical engineers, and you solved it with a with a spring. You know. So at least there's that set up. But it, it it was it was ridiculous then, and it continues to be ridiculous now. At least they're consistent. <laughs> oy, oy. So many more things are going to happen in such a short period of time. Yeah. The- yeah. Okay. Because we so still I, haven't I, even gotten to the murder of their mentor, a man I, who I don't know anything about. I, I I was saying like the whole thing where he's gliding on the airwaves would come uh, uh, air currents would come later because I fully forgot that that wasn't the final fight it had such no! final fight energy or whatever and then like I I that's I, my, my brain had just transplanted it yeah I was like oh wait that's right it immediately happens after that yeah anyway let's keep going <laughs> yeah this is a uh, audience hey audience 
it's me. It's hey. Sophia, your old friend. I know that sometimes when we're talking about these movies, there are certain parts that you already know are coming, that you're already aware of, and that, in fact, you were <laughs> waiting for. This is one of those moments. This is where Matt Smith just dances while he gusses himself up and gets uh, hyped up and ready to go out. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Big, <laughs> big, I'm feeling myself shit going on here. Matt Smith is just, I think they just like said, hey, Matt, just dance. American psycho. <laughs> yeah. No, like knowing, knowing Matt Smith from Doctor Who, that's just him. That's just him being him. Like when he's like, like shaking around and like doing those fun little movements, he's like, oh, hey, whoa, that's just him. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> that's his little little they person put little, a bit a, of himself put into a the Matt character. Smith dance number into House of the Dragon. I know, I know that that's not the tone of the show, but I do think it could benefit greatly from just a little nod to his iconic role as Milo, aka Lucian, in Morpheus. Yeah, I was just happy that there was any semblance of personality given to any character in this movie. It's some life in this movie. (laughs) Jesus Christ, this movie is devoid of life for a movie about the living vampire. Yeah. Um, Milo then goes to a bar to hit on a woman whose boyfriend, Uh question mark, tries to step in and it almost, it comes to blows. But instead of punching back, Milo's like, I'm beyond punches and just takes his leave, which of course means that when those guys who beat him up stumble out of the bar later that night, Milo eats them and murders them. Milo is so much more charismatic than Morbius and it's not even a little bit funny. It's full, like, it's when Spike enters Buffy and you're like, oh, a vampire I care about. It's that. Oh my God, yes. (laughs) He is the Spike of this movie. We stand Spike. That wasn't his... That wasn't her boyfriend, right? Because wasn't she also like feeling no. it with Milo? She and also so, was like yeah. into Milo, but it was just some guy at a bar yeah. who was like, hey, suck a claim. And the writing of this movie is so bad that we're meant to apply so much more from that conversation. And yet the only important bit was like a guy at a bar was mad at him. Like we didn't even need him to hit on a woman to get to that point. It could have just been he walked in order to drink and a guy's like, you looked at me weird. They have to add so many more layers of complication and explanation to every piece of dialogue and every set piece in this movie. It drives me nuts. Dr. Bancroft is what on What happens her- next? <laughs> Dr. Bancroft <laughs> is on her hey, way ben. home when she runs into Milo at the lab. He's like, hey, I'm worried about God. Morbius. Where is he? And she's like, uh... I don't know. So he repeats the question and she holds true in her answers. And then he tells her the Spartan phrase again, uh, the few against the many, and then just takes his leave. He just exits the scene. So she grabs stuff from the lab where for some reason everything is completely untouched. He's he's trying to, he was reading her heartbeat, right? To try and figure out whether she was lying or not. Like that's that's what Uh, I was supposed to infer from it. Okay. But she was scared of him. So her heart was already racing. Yeah. Right. If anything, I heard it slowed down, which I guess could mean like her intentionally trying to keep herself calm while she, while she lied or whatever. I don't know. I don't know. Again, because we'll see, he seems to have no difficulty in finding out where Morbius is anyway. This hall kind of felt like an unnecessary scene to include in the movie. Except maybe that Bancroft's pretty ride or die for Morbius, apparently. <laughs> I guess, but at yeah, but this we point, we kind of already knew that. She did turn him in yeah. for the insanity of splicing bat DNA with humans, and then went with him to international waters. <laughs> and then also proceeded to not turn him in after he That's has been in. framed yeah. for murder and continued to aid and abet him. <laughs> this fact, point is so ride or die. <laughs> and in fact, actually, uh, 
juked away some some FBI people for the like like she knew what she was doing. Yeah, yeah fair enough. What was that scene doing there? What was the scene doing here? She grabs her stuff from the lab, though, uh, and then the police break into her apartment. Her cat is gone, which means so is she, so I guess they're tracking her as well. Um, and we go to Mo- Morbius's new mobile lab, where she's playing with her cat, who immediately, like, bites her hand and she bleeds a little bit. And Morbius seems distracted by the blood for a moment, but she yells his name a bunch to make him focus. And uh, then she's like, how does it feel when you're on the red? And this is the most, like, standard vampire plot point they have in the movie and also it's over so incredibly quickly i also want to shout out the cat who at the very least the uh, sound designer who made the executive decision to include that many cat meows in this scene they are constant and they are over several lines of dialogue (laughs) (laughs) it was like i want i want a boom for the actors i want a boom for the mic for the cat (laughs) speaking of cat hello ziggy are you coming up ah it's like Beetlejuice. We spoke her name into existence. <laughs> spoke cat into existence. Uh, and then exiting this set piece that seems like maybe it was going to be a romantically charged moment, we go into a, I guess, more aesthetically pleasing location for a romantically charged moment because we go to yeah. Morbius and the doc looking out over the city, having the same conversation they were having inside. What is the explanation for space in this movie? Nothing is connected to anything. He assures her he it's wasn't like, going to go full Dracula on her, and she uses that as a chance to attempt to flirt back. And again, they have so little charisma. It's <laughs> There's just no chemistry here. They have the least convincing kiss, and then Milo, uh, we pan out to see that he's watching them from the bridge. <laughs> it's not even like, Milo's not jealous Oh, uh, no. like if Milo, if Milo, yeah. Milo was trying to set Morbius and her up. If Milo liked, was interested in her instead, that's also contrived and stupid. But at least it's a conflict. It's there is like nothing personal. It's there. It's so. I don't know. Like, Again, like I'm Morbius just is picking more interesting stuff that could happen. <laughs> Morbius has come to the conclusion that he needs to stop Milo. Milo has apparently also come to the conclusion that Morbius, like that, he has to stop Morbius because Morbius is trying to stop him, and so like they have individually set up the stakes for the third act mm-hmm. because like there otherwise wouldn't have been any reason. Like Milo could just fuck off to some other country and just you know suck blood there, I suppose, but. Like, I, yeah, I it's guess not really... even a Green Goblin Spider-Man in the uh, Sam Raimi movie where it's like Green Goblin is determined to make Spider-Man see his point of view about how their su- their yeah. strength makes them superior instead of servants uh, to, to the greater good, uh, where he like he tries to force that realization into him. He's just kind of like, it's so fun. Please join. <laughs> you gotta believe me, man. You gotta, you just <laughs> you, gotta. You gotta believe me. It's not that big a deal. In fact, in fact <laughs> I bet... I bet if Morbius was like, hey, Milo, uh, I'll supply his blood and uh, we can keep being vampires if you just don't kill people and we can like hang out and you can fuck, it'll be awesome. That would have been the end of the movie. Right? I think that would have been a pretty amenable- I don't think amenable... Milo really loves killing people. I think he just likes power. Yeah. And yeah. not being, not feeling weak, mm-hmm. which is yeah. what would happen if you were just like, yeah, drink these blood packs. <laughs> Several instances now we have, we have, found natural <laughs> conclusions to the story that would have yeah. happened had if they people, decided to veer like away people. from the natural logic of, of mm-hmm. yeah. you know, what was established. If they weren't so yep. strictly okay. adhering to the superhero action movie tropes. That, yeah. We could have if actually had a movie they, they that had some story happen. to it. Yeah. 
instead of being driven by character and and choices. Speaking of choices, we now go to the FBI agents finding the victims from the bar, further reinforcing my belief that the choice that they should have made is just make this a procedural instead. Uh, They debate how much blood Morbius can drink before grabbing footage of the CCT camera in the parking lot and showing that it was Milo, not Morbius, who in fact attacked those people. And maybe, maybe it was not Morbius, who attacked the nurse. So there's even a solution the, to the problem of people thinking- ending that conflict. Right? <laughs> neatly. Uh, um, a news report breaks this news as their old, like, Dr. Uh, Nichols, Nicholas watches the uh, news about Morbius is going crazy and also the CCT footage of Milo. And he's like, whoa, what is that? What are these crazy kids gotten themselves into? He goes to see Milo and the, the gig is up and the uh, the cat's out the bag. You know, he's like, I know what you're this, doing. There you go. <laughs> I have been talking about belfry. Morbius for an hour and 40 minutes. <laughs> <out> the belfry. <laughs> points. Thank you. There's no points in this podcast. Uh, it's not a competition. We all had to watch Morbius. We all lost. I'd like to point out, though, that this scene between Nicholas and and Milo is the best scene in the movie purely by virtue of these powerhouse actors just giving it their all for no reason in this movie. Like, it is is actually, like, one of the more decently well-acted, like, scenes in this movie, and I, for the first time, I was like, I believe what they're saying. I I believe this. (laughs) Cool that they got some actors for these roles. Right? Yeah! (laughs) Ay, ay. Anyway. All right, take us home, because we're about to go through the same scene twice, which I love. (laughs) Back to back. Milo is Mm -hmm. surprised that he, uh, that his old professor, doctor, headmaster guy is not happy for what Milo has done to himself. He tries to get Milo to start taking synthetic blood, but Milo is just like, oh, of course you take Morbius' side. And despite his attempts to talk down Milo, Milo just uh, repeats the Spartan line at him and then punches him in the gut and leaves the doc to die and bleed out. Meanwhile, Dr. Bancroft and Morbius debunk the stake to the heart idea before making some fatal bat poison. He's like, I've got two... <laughs> Not a joke. This is a very serious moment, Noir. I see you chuckling. Uh, the no, bat like poison... <laughs> now? Wait, like, now is the time that they're gonna try and start pushing the whole living vampire story? Like, so far, everything has been steeped in science, and then now you're going to start looking to mythological stuff for... All right. I guess cover your bases, but still. He's like, I made two shots of this fatal bat poison. One is for Milo, and one is for me. He says his goodbyes to his girlfriend and gets a call from Nicholas, who is wheezing and tells him that he went to see Milo. So Morbius rushes to the old doc, who is dying... And Morbius is like, we have to get you to a hospital. But Nicky Boy is just like, here's my last words about stopping Milo and then immediately dies. At that moment, Milo, who has grabbed Morbius's girlfriend, which just starts like tormenting her, yelling Morbius. And I guess he can God, just she really hear is that the only woman in this movie. from across the city. <laughs> this is where the echolocation came back to me because he couldn't... The, Nikki had Nicholas had to call him on the phone like a person would do, but he could just hear Dr. Bancroft from across the city. Yeah. He has back to back 
two, learn a friend, learn a close loved one is in danger. Race across the city, arrive too late to save them, <laughs> say goodbye. You and they tell him you have to end this moment back to back. <laughs> yeah. Back yeah. to back. This is <laughs> And in the transition from point A to point B, he does start to go for the full Dracula look. So the hair goes down, slick back, and this is where he gets more of the like colorful robes going on. So you can see like the full yeah, yeah. purple. This so is that where the differentiate between his morbing and Milo's morbing. Yes. Yeah, because uh, like he he had that overcoat on the entire movie, and like now is when we realize that there was actually like a purple lining underneath. Yeah, that, I guess. I guess. Okay, all right. They're like I, trying to shoehorn it again, the superhero costume change, but like. Sure. My yeah. one of my biggest gripes with superhero movies nowadays is that they uh, don't have the balls to just say, "And now I'll make a costume for myself." Most of the time, unless it is implicit in their backstory, like Spider Man. Like I want, like early 2000s X-Men's level of costuming from these movies where they're just like, and now we just made ourselves some costumes because we're going to be doing this fun stuff so we might as well look cool while we do it. They always have to have a reason for people to have their costume be the way that it is and that always pisses them. I'm like, just let them have a cool costume. We all know why we're here. Um, but That's Morbius... Similar... Yeah. Check out yeah. check out this uh, this deep V uh, uh, boob window on the normal <laughs> Morbius costume. If only... <laughs> For Cowards, the audience, he, Sony. Pulled up, he pulled up uh, the cover art for Morbius Preludes and Nightmares, I think. What, yeah, what? I just there's the first one that came up when I when I did a Morbius Google search. Gotcha. Uh, but yeah, that's that's his typical thing with the middle part and the mm. like big red collar mm-hmm. that goes way down. So what I'm hearing is that Morbius should have undone his like unbuttoned his dress shirt like about halfway and just like showed Morbius should have been sluttier in order Absolutely. to be more comics also, accurate. Tiny goatee. Yes, that was one thing that it was missing. Tiny goatee. Mm-hmm. He should have grown that when he grows his morb face. Maybe in the time, time he between finding his yeah. dead mentor and now finding his girlfriend bleeding out, he could have grown one. Uh, because that's what he does. Morbius finds his girlfriend bleeding out. She asks him to make it mean something referring to her death. And then they kiss and she gets a little bit of blood in her mouth from him. And then she promptly dies she, and Morbius does not does handle it well. Him? What? Does she bite him to get illicit blood from his lip? Is it? Yeah, that's what I thought happened. But like a lot in this movie, it's wildly unclear. Wildly unclear. At first I was like, so she'll immediately come back as a vampire and then she didn't. Um, Sequel teaser. Sequel teaser. Morbius is like sad, drinks her blood, powers up. And now Milo, who just appears behind them because he's like, I guess this is an appropriate moment for us to have a showdown. I'm not going to make you run all over New York ambiguously in order to find me. We've also run out of loved ones for Morbius. God. Yeah. And I, I know this is just fanfic again, but what if she she says make it mean something, but what if she was like, take my blood, I know you haven't had the red. Like, what if he'd been off the red this whole yeah, movie? Yeah, and this and is the point where he strong, finally And this had is the point it. where she's like, she was like, drink, and now we've got the, yeah. <laughs> now yeah. you've got so, your... So, so, so the whole movie, he would have been on artificial blood, but like, like in the fight with my, like the, the fight in the subway with Milo, like he's clearly at a disadvantage because, he's, God damn it, yeah, that is a better, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, and then, like Doctor, you know, I, I don't want to keep trying these other movies, but it, like him or not, these other movies are like very competently made. Doctor Strange, uh, you know, use, using the time stone, like it's like a power that he was ignoring because it was too much, but now he uses it and he knows how to control it because mm-hmm. uh, he's come to some character realization. Right, uh, and then uh, about his flaw, then he she's like, "Take my blood, you need it," and she dies, and it's all tragic. And then he gets to fight Milo. It's it's like they actively tried to make it less interesting than the natural progression of the movie was already going to make it. <laughs> they were, they were too like, committed yeah, to the tropes of the genre, and they refused to, to actually make a good worse. movie. No, but like 
genre tropes, again, like, I don't think Doctor Strange is legendary cinema, but it's like a competent yeah. movie that flows. They could have, they, they, and it's filled with the tropes of the genre. They could have just done that. This movie would have been fine. Yeah, I think what, I, I should clarify, I feel like the problem with the genre tropes in this movie is not that they are using tropes, but it's that they are using them like a checklist in a certain order that you must hit in order to construct a story at the expense of the possibilities for what would make this particular story. It's sure. not unique, at least coherent. Uh, like I think Strange yeah. succeeds because like <laughs> it's tropey, but it, it's still telling a story that makes sense from start to finish. Whereas this is like, I guess we they need to check this box. Morbius. They mad lived they Morbius. Mad-lived they mad Morbius. Morbius. That's Morbius. It's just mad living the story. <laughs> <laughs> we finally <laughs> solved what Morbius is. Now that we've solved what Morbius is, we can watch the Morbius happen. Milo Let's and Morbius fight. <laughs> They fight their way through the city Put streets. Out of our it seems like Milo is like gonna win pretty handily. He hits Morbius into a big electric sign, and then he slams him into the ground through several layers of bedrock until they end up in this underground chamber with Morbius hanging upside down from a pipe like a vampire. Although he's very, he's like got those cartoon stars around his head. He doesn't, but he should. Milo <laughs> taunts him about creating this. Oh, so horrifying! You created me, and Morbius lets out a cry and falls to the ground. But he's not dead. He's echolocating. You can see it in the reflections of the, the water around him and the little ripples. Uh, from somewhere else in this cave, thousands of vampire bats come and fall you know, up around You know, all those Morbius. vampire bats that live in Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> this is the question I had. Known for its vampire bat population. <laughs> Do these bats come from his lab? Does that mean that the tube was emptied at some point? Or does that mean that the tube connected underground? Or has he did like one or two of them get loose and they just started a whole new vampire bat colony <laughs> that just lives under I, here? The the movie, species vampire bat, they're just If the movie flying. had taken the time to sort of establish any sort of geography for this movie, it might be more belie- it might have been believable if they were to try to sell us on yeah. the fact that like this but, was what if near they were under horizon. The yeah, that is that not is that was that not what they were trying to convey, or was it just some random it's place? It's just some in the, random place. What if they had a comment oh. about how? What if they had a comment about how they're like, oh, they put you in the basement because you're the weirdo with the bats. Yeah, and he's like, I like it down here. And then at some point they or, escape through the tunnels, or she dies in the lab, and then they fight out through the tunnels into the sewer. And or instead even, of yeah. instead of any of these other less intuitive, less interesting alternatives, <laughs> just even like lamp, even just like pointing out way back in the beginning, oh why do God. you have bats in a tube? Where did they come from? Oh, I keep them stashed. There's a natural cave underneath the lab, yeah. and that's where they yeah. are. And like, be, until I want them, it up doesn't here. have to be logical. It's just an establishment of any kind. It just has to be a thing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but the bats they oh all form God. up around Morbius. Uh, Milo goes to run at him with a metal pole. I thought maybe wooden stake, but no, it's definitely metal i listened to the sound that they make a few times morbius commands the bats to Cowards. sick them yeah right and <laughs> and um i don't write or see your subtext they're all cowards <laughs> milo is hounded by hundreds of bats and morbius ticks him with the bat poison as he's immobilized by all these bats and milo's like hey you can't kill me it's me milo which again is not his real name and they have a little conversation about their past before he dies where he whispers sorry uh, and then Morbius calls him Lucian, uh, and he gets no response because he's dead. You killed him. That's what the poison was supposed to do. And now, only when he is dead, are you able to call him by his real, actual name and not the name that he has gone by for the whole apparently, movie. Which for twenty-five so... years he has not known. His, he has not had his <laughs> real name. I'd be surprised if he remembered him. it. <laughs> yeah. He'd be like, "Oh shit! What was your name? I just called you Milo for so long." 
Yeah. But, <laughs> by, by the way, this is the reason that most movie villain, uh, superhero movie villains kill themselves in their own hubris because it's weird for your friends to die because you kill him and then you're like, you dead? Oh no, this is tragic. Yeah. Uh, like, you did that, son, that was you. Yeah, Morbius seems to be now. sort of like in a stupor about this until the sound of sirens from above the big hole in the ground that they both just punched comes. <laughs> And uh, all of the, the two FBI agents and all of the cops in New York roll up on the big hole in the ground as a as they look over the edge, a swarm of bats rushes out of the hole. It's Morbius. He's using bat travel. Um, we see like a split second shot of his girlfriend's eyes opening up because she too is a yeah. vampire now before we just cut immediately out of that and we do not see her for the rest of the movie. <laughs> Morbius flies out into the night. I guess he's not going to use the a vial of poison on himself. That's just gone now. And uh, then we go to does credits. That, that does not come up though. Like, yeah. The, yeah. the conflict of that. Are we going to the post credits? Are we talking about the post credits? Yeah, there's, so there's two Let's post credits. There's the mid credit scene, a rift over the city oh, opens. God. Anyone who listened to the Spider-Man uh, No Way Home episode is going to be familiar with this aesthetic. Uh, a bunch of bats cross over into the MCU and Adrian Toomes just materializes <gasps> in an empty do, wait, cell. Wait, do bats cross over? I did bats not cross that over. In the rift, there's just um, like bats. <laughs> wait, like... No, it's not Morbius because like we, we see no, him. No, it's in just the I think it's literally it just some, bats. Just bats. All right. Maybe cool. they're gonna make a new Morbius, <laughs> a better one. <laughs> <laughs> we can build a better we one. We can build together. We can build a better Morbius. <laughs> That's uh, the writers saying we kind of fucked up this universe. Let's try again. <laughs> yeah. So Austin, as oh the comics guy, just walk us through Adrian Toomes appearing in the cell and being like, "Now I'm in the MCU." Uh, well, he was in the MCU, and now he's in the Sony universe with Venom yeah. because Tom Hardy came over to... By the way, this is the exact kind of, like, meta, metatextual bookkeeping that I don't give a shit about. <laughs> uh, was, I, I don't want to seem like one of those people like, oh, it's actually very... Um, I, I don't care about this, like, uh, the uh, the logistics of how a character gets from one universe to another. If they had made Venom and it was good, and then they just retroactively were like, oh, that was in the MCU. Um, yeah. Don't worry about it. I would have been like... Fine, cool, whatever yeah. works. If you have a good idea, it's, instead of this, like, we have to, it's the same thing the DC movies mm-hmm. are doing, but they're like, we have to explain why it gets rebooted. So how about Flashpoints? Like, what if you just made good movies? What if you just made a different movie? Anyway, yeah. like that's even, the, the Batman proof. Anyway, sorry. But even yeah. in it, so he was in even, the, he was yeah, in the like, MCU and now he's here, here, even though he was interesting there. In Sony. And here he's now trapped. So is he gonna get back? I don't yeah, know. So like even even the, the, the the things that they try to explain for the for the multiversal stuff isn't in, isn't consistent because at the end of No Way Home, Venom goes back to his original universe, but here Tombs is just Tombs gets here. Tombs is just here now. Yeah, and we're all okay. Yeah, with it. exactly. Like, and then that's God. not consistent. God I also, damn it! Like one I of love the, how... one of the things that I think inarguably the Spider the new Spider Man movies did right, Michael Keaton. Adrian Toomes. I think yeah, pretty I, much mm-hmm. people who don't even like those movies liked him. And they're just like, yeah, now he's tied to this shit. I did oh, like yeah, their yeah, interpretation yeah. of the vulture, but like, cause yeah. it's actually what a vulture does. I, uh, I also love how he looks around just a prison cell and he says, I <laughs> yeah. can get used to this. <laughs> he gets, he gets, he gets 
teleported from one prison cell and then he's in another world and he it's not even immediately obvious in an empty prison cell. <laughs> it's not even immediately obvious that he's in another world. He was just like in a different like, prison cell. He just he just rolls with it. <laughs> it's it's got um what I'm trying to think. Oh my god, this might gonna be my second hunchback reference of the night. In that movie, the old guy gets released from his uh from the cage he's in, and he's like, I'm free, I'm free, and then he trips oh, and falls he... into a stockade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just that where he's like he teleports out of his universe and he's like, What's happening? I'm free, and then he's just in a new presence. No, and then they're like the, the news report yeah. afterwards yeah. is like, Oh man, just appear oh, yeah, appears in <laughs> cell. We let him out, I guess. <laughs> Some in spite of him. no record of existing is to <laughs> Yeah, this cell seems to let him go. No, no word on the weird multiversal riff that appeared. No, this is the news story. This is this the story. This is the news. Random man in prison yeah. gets released, and then also, you. Uh, I'm gonna call you a bullshit from before. The mo. I, I guess it's not ADR. It's this. You're sorry. No. This isn't ADR, but it's clearly two people filmed separately, oh, not yes. talking yes. to each other. Oh yeah, post credit, just like, the after credits. Like, hey, doctor, how are you? And he's like, oh my god, yes, I love it. So let's let's compartmentalize this. Let's compartmentalize because the yeah, yeah, first mid credit yeah, yeah. scene, Adrian Toom shows up. We just exit. Appears, released. More credits, student. more credits, and then we get the second post credit scene. Morbius drives a fancy fast car out into the middle of nowhere, where he checks his little timer watch. Reason. The wind picks up. It's the Vulture who is now also in this universe. Oh my God, this scene could not have more clearly been two people who were talking to each other, not in the same place. I noted that, like, they left the mask on. They left the mask on so that we uh -huh. wouldn't be able to clock whether uh -huh. that actor was talking or not. And they suggest teaming up to do some good, which just like, no, 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 no. That's not what we want from this team. Uh, they well, were trying I, I so was hard it. for the Sinister Six, a concept that yeah. makes no sense in a vacuum without Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah. I thought he was it's saying so we can silly. do some good ironically. And so that was, I, I guess. assume, but honestly, the way that this no, movie it's... went, I was unwilling to take any stabs in any direction. Just... Because Morbius, Morbius is, as far as we can tell, a good a guy. guy. Yeah. No, he he's seems, not. He's not even an anti-hero, a man like, yeah. who's pushed to do a good thing, but doesn't believe in the principles of heroism. He's fully just like kind of a, like a normal person who's like, yeah, 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 you know, sometimes rules are worth breaking, but um, I feel bad, I kill those people, and I don't want to kill anymore, and I have to yeah. stop my friend from killing. Like, he's not a crusader, but he's certainly not like, you know, he I'm doesn't... powerful and I'll take what I want, but yeah. I have like a moral code against killing, so like, that's a hard line for me or something. No, it's just, this is just like a normal dude who kind of believes in stopping murderers. Mm -hmm. He doesn't, and then like, <laughs> the entire conflict is revolved around like the the immediate people that he loved it's not even like it's not even like the villain was trying to threaten things external to their inner circle yeah, we yeah. never it was learned just, what his we we don't his know moral philosophy is so like we we get the sense at the end that he's now willing and open to using his powers but we don't know in what sense like i if, if yeah keeping track with i guess the logic of the movie it's of to just be a person he doesn't, he, there's no, there's nothing that ever establishes him wanting to be the hero. There's nothing that ever establishes him actively seeking out a criminal life until this moment, apparently. Yes. Yeah. Or so. even an anti-hero life where he's like, which is how I understand Venomance, where he's like, you know what I, I figured out? I have to feed on live, on live blood, but 
there are bad people in this world, so I'm going to punish the bad guys. Uh, that would be yeah. like an anti-villain because he's behaving the villain even though he doesn't want to be. Right. But you know, uh, you know, he, where he, you know, he's into this lifestyle now. You know, at least he's he's in the tights, so to speak, as opposed to just I guess he's going to go about his regular life and just instead of the transfusions, take a little sippy sip every day, uh, every couple hours. <laughs> because it's not even like it's not even like okay, I gotta I gotta drink some blood. But it's, like, I, I'll, I'll, I'll justify I'll justify it by hunting criminals because uh, no. like one that was never established as him as a character. Two, he has blood bags that yeah. he's he been using for his transfusion. And the movie so ends by him anyway. turning into a bunch of bats and flying off into the night. So there's yeah. no way to know where his head was at after his friend died. <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. I'm I, tired. I, 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 <laughs> I would have liked the post credit scene because. Morbius could have been asked to go to this random location and have no reason why, which is probably that that's probably that probably is the setup for it. I would have loved an interaction that's like, I think we can do some good together, Doctor. It's like, what the fuck are who the fuck are you? You're just this guy who has wings that can fly. And now you're no, I, well, I, I have like a life. Also, Let me just get back. It's also just leaving on the floor. The fact that his girlfriend is alive and maybe he may yeah. or may not know that. Why and is she not is the she one who just mad? shows up at the post credit scene? Or like, is she mad at him? Like, is that why she doesn't show up? Like, is, is she not told him because she's like going to be a villain? Is that the intention? Who fucking knows? But there's no, so why there's no indication that he didn't save her. Yeah, there's no why indication she that. Liked yeah, there's was, nothing. You know. Yeah, there's but, nothing. Was that happy suggests... she was. He was there while she died. Yeah, yeah, like there's nothing in those post credit scenes that suggests that they've even like talked after the whole confrontation. So it's it's left ambiguous whether Martin has left and not told, or maybe he is aware and this mm-hmm. is just not relevant to that. It's not relevant to it, but like yeah. it just it leaves it muddy and, and ambiguous. And I that's think not the thing we've kind of danced around this whole episode to sort of because we've talked about Morbius for now longer than the runtime of the movie Morbius, which feels like too long it, to think of and Good. talk about Morbius. Thank God. To kind of like bring it into closing thoughts, uh, I think this movie is an incredible example of how to make a somehow muddied and straightforward movie all at the same time. Like, <laughs> like I knew exactly what was going to happen. I knew exactly what beats they were going to hit. And at the same time, the information that I wanted to know was never clear. And I never learned anything about the characters in any sort of meaningful way. And yet somehow nothing tracked. And nothing tracked. So like... If you want to learn how to read Save the Cat but not learn how to write a movie, this is the script for you, baby. Uh, but no, I think this is a bad movie that's not even really fun to watch. As much as we've joked about getting Morbius back in theaters, I cannot recommend watching it uh, in my honest Please opinion. Please don't. Save yourself. Yeah. We watched it so that you wouldn't have to because you guys all uh, wanted this to happen by giving me money to feed my cat. But Austin and Noir, there what are go. some of your closing thoughts on this movie? Uh, uh. Did you like Nor it? After you. <laughs> I I mean honestly, I I have more I I try not I try to find the good aspects from what is obviously like a very poorly conceived, written, designed, made everything movie. Um and so honestly, I was kind of like tolerant of it right up until the very end where they tried to tell a whole new story in two post-credit scenes and and, mm-hmm. and it was a very obvious shoehorn of of two universes and at that point i was just like i i can't save i can't i can't defend (laughs) you at this point i i can't (laughs) believe i can't believe though i thought it was a meme but i really can't believe that the most apt description of this is that morbius is really the movie it's really a it's a movie (laughs) it's a movie (laughs) 
Morbius is the movie. <laughs> this is a movie that was shot, that was edited. It had actors. Yep. It had maybe cinematography. Yeah. There were seeds, dialogue, the, everything you could expect. This is sort of, for me, to, like the yeah. antithesis of Cats in a lot of ways, where like, the, the way yeah. I feel about Morbius is that everyone showed up and they're like, what's the bare minimum I can do to get paid on this set today? Except for Matt Smith, who said, I haven't done anything in a while. Let me like really go all out. Uh, whereas for me, like Cats is everyone who's working on it, except for the like director and producer and maybe screenwriters are going like above and beyond to do their best day on set. And Morbius is like, everyone showed up and they said, I'm going to phone it in today. And the movie still got made at the end of the day, but it's so much less enjoyable to watch. Here's, here's the thing. So Cats... Cats has been a shit show before the Whiskey's movie was conceived. It, before it was well, <laughs> you got me and you got Sophia. It's, it's gonna happen. But uh, it's 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 um, it's it was a shit show from the musical in that it had such a nonsense plot. And you know, if you understood that going in, then you had no expectations when you were watching the movie. Mm-hmm. The thing that really made it stood apart from the musical was that it took away the one thing that you could really appreciate about the musical, which was the costume design. If they kept the if they kept the exact same energy of Cats, except that they had except that the costuming department just had a little bit more to do and they actually had them in like the I, I in the exact same outfit that they that they were in the Broadway musical, I honestly think it would be more it would be better received. Or rather, exactly the same received as the <laughs> as with the musical. Like people would see it. And newcomers to the movie would be like, "What the fuck was that shit?" Right. The musical was like, the musical lovers would be like, Noir, your first I need time? you to bring well, it back around yeah. to Morbius. I need us to return to Morbius somehow." <laughs> I know. Fine. I was like, "Land this plane. I don't know where this is going." <laughs> How does this point Ooh. relate to Morbius? <laughs> oh, um, I. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm just swooping. Austin, I'm yeah. Swoop what are your in. final thoughts? I, what I want to say is that. I feel like I've said everything I had to say. I have no final thoughts. So instead, I thought I would share. Uh, as I said, I watched this with uh, my girlfriend and my brother, uh, who both wrote reviews on Letterboxd. <laughs> and I thought I would share those really right. quick um, for my girlfriend. <clears throat> I mean, it was stupid, but not in a particularly interesting way. I liked when Matt Smith did a little dance. He and Morbius should have explored each other's bodies. <laughs> Half a star. <laughs> Which is... I mean, that's good insight, right? This is this would have yes. been way better if it had a lot more interview with a vampire uh, uh, gay in it. Um, this one's from my brother. <clears throat> Every time I read it. <laughs> come on, come on, power right, you through, got, power you got through. This, man. Sorry. Center yourself. Center. Listen. Center. And scene. Listen. Listen. Was this movie good? Not really. <laughs> Except that it was a perfect movie in every way. It was incredibly funny to watch. <laughs> I loved it. Give me the sequel immediately. <laughs> Great time. He was a bat. Three and a half stars. Uh, Patrick, Austin's brother, listeners may remember from the Van Helsing episode of Movie Struck like a year ago. Uh, oh my God. <laughs> three and a half stars. To my knowledge, he gives every movie three and a half stars. <laughs> Morbius, a truly three and a half star movie. Um, I think on that note, we gotta just end this, so... We gotta go. Noir, Austin, thank you so much for joining me for this patron special. Uh, If folks want to hear more from you, where can they find you? Uh, You can find us all in one place. Come check Uh out Rolling with Difficulty. (laughs) 
where we play Dungeons mm-hmm. and Dragons, and it's fun. Yeah, spell jamming campaign uh, out in pseudo space, exploring the planescape. Uh, next season, next uh, January mm-hmm. 2023, maybe mm-hmm. one or two one shots along the way. Uh, I, that's yeah. Wait, af- this is this is coming after the yeah a Halloween one shot. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> yeah, I was like, this is coming out so soon, from my understanding. So. <laughs> uh, audience, uh, I cannot uh, emphasize how closely to release date we recorded this episode. Like the Morbin <laughs> is fresh in our minds. Hit us up on the Discord yeah. if you want the Morbius deep talks. Oh my god! Um, Seriously, oh, man. Um, but yeah, yeah. Rolling but yeah, come check it out. Check it out. Uh, we're doing uh, a Halloween one we shot. Got, we have Twitters. Yeah. Everyone's got Twitters. Yeah. All that will be linked in the show notes below. Good stuff. Thank you guys for doing this. As the instigators of the Morbin discourse till now, it only felt right to have you on, and I'm so glad that we found something to talk about for two hours. Uh, we'll catch you all on a future episode. I, I need the next time I'm on this movie. We need to do a movie that like I legitimately <laughs> like. Like I like the Sailor Moon I movie. Say, have you done, I like the did... Sailor Moon movie, but so far I'm a two for one as far as movies <laughs> I actually liked or uh, didn't like, and but you was did, still forced yeah, to yeah, talk about. Rubber. Yeah, yes, you were the OG <laughs> oh, member of this podcast, uh, oh, the original yeah. friend of the pod. But uh, all right, listener, get out of here, save yourself. <laughs> leave right. in a swarm of bats. Uh, we're off into the night. Goodbye, everybody. Bye bye. Happy Morbin. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Movie Struck. This episode was originally a reward for our Patreon drive back in September, and thank you to everyone who joined the Patreon to get us to this episode. It is because of you that I now know so, so much about Morbius. Regular new episodes will resume on February 20th, because currently I am on vacation. Thank you for bearing with me, patrons, and everyone else. I hope you enjoyed this very special episode that you can thank the patrons for. If you'd like to support the podcast, consider becoming a patron, or as always, you can rate and review us on your preferred podcast platform. If you've got a question for us, enjoyed the show, or just any sort of general comments, feel free to email the podcast at moviestruckpod at gmail.com, and check out the Moviestruck Discord linked in the show notes for a great community of folks watching all sorts of movies and uh, uh, potentially influence the choices for the next patron drive because that's how I got the idea to do Morbius and assuredly this will happen again. And of course, a special shout out to the patrons who joined us last month. Thank you, Triple C, Asher Basher, Azrak Shinji, Cradlefer, and the Orenko. You guys rock. Thank you for supporting the podcast and I hope you continue to enjoy this Morbin time.